jump into it. This is going to be one of the longest episodes in the history of the podcast, more than likely. So I am totally good with that. Yeah, we got Uh, a lot to say on Anthem. That's today's topic. Yeah, you're Uh, not kidding. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So uh, before we go into anything else, I do think we need to set some rules. Uh, I want to talk about the story, the gameplay, and then also, I I guess now that we kind of know the game, all of the confusing choices that were made in marketing. Is there any other topics you want to discuss? I really would just want to talk about the story and the gameplay, and that's probably the main thing that I that I would want to talk about. Okay. Um, and then, you know, if we can, and I know we're not going to do a great job of this, try to avoid the bullshit that is Twitter's reaction to everything at this point, mm-hmm. because it's just so insubstantial. It's just, it doesn't make any sense anymore at all. I could, I could do a whole separate rant about how bad the coverage was, and when I say bad, I don't necessarily mean people not liking it. I just mean it's so insubstantial and vague and whiny and nonsensical that I'm just like, I don't want to, because we did that with Andromeda quite a bit of like this whole, it's not that bad campaign. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's necessary. But at the same time, it's just like, maybe we should just start ignoring game reviews that are clearly petulant and angry (laughs) and not helpful. Maybe. Also, I I think just starting right out, spoilers completely on like i don't think we could give this a good justice review trying to not talk with spoilers you know what i mean oh yeah no major spoiler we're gonna go through i I think we just go through pretty much everything on the story including a couple of major beats which i'm sure we'll have some interesting uh, conversation on and yeah just everybody warning right now we're gonna spoil the fuck out of anthem yeah do do we want to start with (laughs) gameplay because i feel like that's what i have the least amount to say it on you know what i mean (laughs) Or do you want to start out with story because you just have a lot of feelings about it? Uh, wow. I mean, you want to talk about a lot of feelings. As of right now, as, as we're recording this, which is technically on a Saturday night, uh, which is a little bit odd for us. Yeah. Um, I am, God, what's the word count now? I'm trying to wrap up my story review, the, uh, the copy for this video. I am at 12,655 words. I, I have written grad school papers with fewer words than that. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting close to fucking children's book at this point. Like, it's God. this thing is gargantuan. Uh, so I have a lot of feelings on the story of Anthem. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised how many feelings I have on the story of Anthem. Um, so I say we jump into story first, since in a lot of ways okay. that's our forte. Oh, one more thing before we, we go into this. Just overall, quick, so people know how we feel about it. How would you grade Anthem? Oh god, okay, I'm gonna start crying and have a breakdown right now. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm just, I'm just maybe, maybe can you say, do you like it? Yes or no? Like we, just really quick. Uh, it's just like a note in class, circle one. Um, yeah. I just a- Anthem sent you a love note. Do you love me? Yes or no? Uh, I mean, <laughs> just like in real life, I'm gonna have a mental breakdown now that I've gotten one of these notes. Um, like literally, that's the part that I'm struggling on right towards the end. Like I wrote something that is completely true. And I'll share it more towards the end of this podcast, what my conclusion was in some sense. And then I just had an existential crisis when I realized that this is 100% true when I actually think of it. Um, Overall, the game Anthem, do I like it? Yes. Okay, I agree with you. That being said, I have a lot of problems. So with yes. that, Jordan, take it away with your story review. <laughs> no, no, no. I think so. This is how I, this is what would work best for me. I want you to go first. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I. God, where do I even start? So I, I had a lot of issues with it. So I, I played for the most, at least the front half of it, in tandem with my husband, Michael, because we wanted to play together. 
And, like, I feel like a lot of what it it was, was, it was, God, I don't even know how to describe it. I, I guess the best way I can describe the story of Anthem is it really does feel like Dragon Age lore with Mass Effect Andromeda characters. And as as I would later find out, that is, is essentially exactly who wrote it. We can go into the writers later. But um, it's... It, it, like I really like the basis of the world, even though it's not much is described, and I wish it was described more. But like when you really go digging in, I'm interested in it. But the characters are are really kind of hard to get into because I eventually what I found to be true was that they feel really juvenile. Even the older people feel juvenile in in a really weird, bizarre way. Like it really does feel like this game was written by teenagers sometimes, which. I, I do wonder if the people who really like Anthem are also teenagers, because that's how they think. But me being a little bit more ma- mature, I guess, it, it just felt really weird in, like, this weird, bizarre world. And, like, playing it with Michael, like, he he's much more sensitive to that kind of stuff. So, like, there would be times I hear behind me, oh, <laughs> like, it's just pure pain. And I, I agree in some points. Like, there, there were some strong moments. Like, on, on, I, I would say overall... I think the story is better than Mass Effect Andromeda, and I and I will stand by that. But it's 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 close. It really is. And like I I don't know. The, I I will say there were a couple moments that I was enjoying myself. I, I I remember asking you this question. So far, each of the Bioware games has had a this is it moment. I'm I'm I feel like like the wonder, and this is great. I the closest I had to that was talking to Faye on that wall. I don't know if if uh, I know you... exactly what you mean. Yeah, that was talking to Faye, which I I think maybe that's also why the reason I like Faye the most out of everyone. The problem, Faye... if I could interject one thought, the it. problem is that's at the fucking end. Yeah, <laughs> no, it really is. It, it like, oh, how many missions after that? Like one or two? None. Like it's... that's the last one. Yeah, so it's. That that was the moment that I was like, oh, I can enjoy myself, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, it's the end of the game. And, like, all of... So, I, I would say there's three real characters, and then, like, a whole bunch of, like, random one-note NPCs. Mm-hmm. The three real characters are Owen, Halleck, and Faye, and right. then... Uh, which I, I kind of liked all of those. I, I think... Faye is obviously the strongest in my mind. I yes. I, I I can't really think of a moment where I I saw or heard Faye and go, eh, I don't like that, or I I didn't think her arc ended well. Like she had a very clear arc in the story, of her like struggling with her feelings and wanting to hear the anthem again and how much that, um, like does that override like her friends and like at the end she was able to turn away from the song of the anthem to save her friends and I th- great perfect that's a great little character art we got there. Mm-hmm. Halleck, I think, I didn't like him at the beginning because he just, to me, he works so much better as a washed-up freelancer than he did as a freelancer. Like, I'm sorry, Anthem, strong alone, stronger together is never going to catch on something. (laughs) (laughs) God, God, every time they said that, I just wanted to bang my head. It's writing by way of the marketing team. I I swear to you that has to be what it is. Yes, yeah, I totally agree with you. It, It, like... Because think of like the Grey Warden Oath. Like people have that tattooed on themselves. People love that. It sounds cool. Mm-hmm. No one's going to, well, no one in the right mind is going to get strong alone, stronger together tattooed <laughs> on themselves. And, and like it just didn't work. And so when he tells you that and he's like, he's being all coy, I'm like, I don't 
care. I don't like this. And then, like, the... I, it really bugged me at the beginning. Like he's sacrificing all of the freelancers to s- silence the heart of rage because he just doesn't want to give up himself being a freelancer. And then fast forward a couple years, he feels bad about it kind of, but I just, I don't think the story ever really addresses that he was the one pushing everyone in there. You know, he just felt like, Oh, we all went in there together and we mm-hmm. all died. Oh darn. Yeah, you're no, right. it, it was, it was him that kept them there. He never goes to this moment of realizing like self-awareness, which I feel like this game lacks a lot of. It's just self-awareness. Like, golly. And Owen, at least <sighs> he was really childish in a way that I thought he was really younger than I think he was supposed to be. Like, if you read the codex entries, apparently the, him and the freelancer met 10 years prior to when they, they, they were, like, working together. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I, I thought he was maybe, like, I don't know, early 20s, but that means he's at least, like, a little bit older than that. So I was like, oh, okay, that's weird. Well, I got the so, feeling they met as kids, though, so I don't know if it's necessarily that he's older. But but it sounded like they like they didn't meet as kids. It sounded like they were doing some sort of business in I forgot what city they met in, and like they had a really fun week where they did a lot of whole bunch of stuff. And then the freelancer had to move to get a job. So at the very least, the freelancer would have to have then been working as a freelancer for ten years. So that means they're in their thirties, and then, <laughs> but then they don't act like they're in their thirties. Yeah, so, so I got like a yeah, I got like a seventeen, eighteen versus. 12 like he's like you have like a big brother big sister relationship with Owen is what I got from it but I don't know at least the codex entry it just didn't feel like why why like let's say Owen was a very generous like 15 why would a 20 something freelancer be be hanging around a 15 year old never in my life if I wanted to hang out with a 15 year old would except when I was 15 (laughs) even when you were 15 like actually yeah get these peasants away from me (laughs) No, I was a loner. And, but no, it just, I don't know. I But like the, Owen's betrayal felt confusing and weird, which I, I will say I was okay with the choices that you were given the freelancer because they were kind of non-choices. I get that. But the, the moment I really felt frustrated and out of control of the NP or the, the PC was talking with Owen at when after he had like, he, st- he stole a suit twice. So the first time he did it because the like Faye Halleck and the, the player character are just so mean to Owen for no reason, just so Owen can then betray them. And then you're like, Oh no, I made Owen feel bad. Like it felt so forced just to make sure Owen betrays you where I think it would have actually been a lot better if you could maybe Halleck and Faye thinks he's a bunch of pile of bullshit, whatever. But then you as a player, like, Hey, I'm sorry about my old friends. Uh, like you're still cool whatever there was like one moment of that but then there's another cutscene where you're just shitting on him again so when he betrays you i'm sitting going yeah i guess i fucking deserved it i I guess but it god i don't know but when he does come back and he was like blinded i was like a little bit more interested in his character although also confused how he was piloting a javelin while blinded which that's another thing that uh, sorry i'm just ranting now but there's that's another thing that bugged me about the writing is i feel like there's a lot of little moments where like the writing and I'm I, I don't know what to call it but I'm going to say the narrative direction just didn't feel like they were talking to each other like the best example of that is when you first meet Tassin and uh, like in so for those who are just kind of listening to this and haven't played the game and don't mind spoilers when you first meet Tassin 
Owen comes up to you and goes, oh, hey, I, why'd you tell me to meet here? And you're like, I didn't tell you to meet. And then Tassin turns around and says, oh, yes, I wanted to bring you both here so I can talk to you in private. Cut like you're out to in the you. fucking middle of the yeah, you're in the middle of a crowd. Like, you're in the most popular place <laughs> it's in like, the area. It's like, presumably, like, at that moment, you're like, what did she do to Zoe? Did she kill Zoe? Because Zoe stands next to that platform all day. Yeah, and there's like a whole bunch of other people, and you're like, what? and like it's so jarring. Like I think everyone has commented on it. Like, wait, what? And there's a whole bunch of little moments like that. Like, how did Owen get behind us and then steal the javelin? When did he have the ability to like <laughs> neutralize javelin suits? Why yeah, has no one right. else used that ever? Yep. Like, it, it. There's so many like little moments that really just kind of break the story. And it just kind of piles up and gets really frustrating. Um, I, I will say that, like, the first half of the game felt really weaker than the last half. I didn't get a little, get, a little bit better. There, <laughs> moving on to my problems with, like, the, the random NPCs in the game. Again, I think the ones at the beginning were a lot weaker than the ones at the end. Because, like, as you go through the story, like, other ones start unlocking themselves. Mm -hmm. But, like... Something that Michael pointed out to me that I really agree with, everyone is a silly, quirky person for whatever reason. No one's like, I, I don't want to say normal, but like you, you need a straight man, just not like yes. literally a straight man. But like in, in comedy, you have the person making the jokes and then like the straight man who's bouncing it off. So like in Dragon Age Inquisition, you had Liliana, Cullen and Josephine. Josephine and Liliana would have some silly moments and Cullen was, I guess, literally the straight man to like kind of bounce it off and go, no, this is ridiculous. So like it's it's the game saying, oh, this is ridiculous, but then also having those silly moments. There was what? no one like that in the entirety of the yeah. series, maybe Tassin, but even then, one she's little not... interjection I'll make on that point because I recently heard this and it's so good is uh, Tim and Leonard, the creators of Fallout One and Two, the the Outer Worlds guys. I can't uh -huh. remember their last names. They had a great line in a Game Informer interview. They said, "You know, you guys are known for your dark comedy. Like, how do you try and find the balance for all this?" Blah blah blah. They had a great line. They said, "You have to keep all of that in check because dark stuff isn't dark and comedy stuff isn't funny if that's all there is." It's just yeah. one note. You have to have sort of stuff in the middle that's just straight in order for the dark stuff to truly seem dark and in order for the funny stuff to truly seem funny. It's got to be only used as a change of pace. I thought that was a great line. And, and that is Anthem's exact problem. Everyone is trying to be quirky and unusual and very, very quickly that way you remember who they are and then they're gone and you don't care anymore. You know, like I, I think Bryn, Sentinel Bryn is a really good ex like a, a pinpoint to this because her in like I got to appreciate Bryn when I like I, I don't mind her as a character but because everyone in the game is kind of like her she's just bland and boring and I don't care but if it were like if she was transported into a Dragon Age it, it might work a little bit better but it just it, everyone is kind of this quirky weird character and like like god <laughs> something that really drove Michael crazy was that all of, like, everyone had a one-liner. Everyone had a yep. one-liner. And it no none of the one-liners were deserved, you know? And, it, like, a lot of them were really cheesy and whatever. Like, every like when Commander Shepard makes a one-liner, and even if it is cheesy, it's kind of funny because all of the rest of the dialogue is serious. So when they have a cheesy <laughs> right. one-liner, it's right. kind of like, ha-ha. What do you say? No, I said that. that's exactly correct. Yeah, but but all the freelancer does is cheesy one-liners. 
That's it. That and that that was one of my problems with writer. At least the when you when you do like a non-serious writer, it, it's just cheesy one-liners, and like none of them are good, and it just gets really tiring. And yeah, now I I do know that Anthem is supposed to be like I guess nodules of story, so we're really just judging Anthem by chapter one. So like for example, Dragon Age with just ha- Haven, that would it would be like just dr- judging Dragon Age Inquisition with Haven. Dragon Age Inquisition stuff like cool stuff doesn't even come until like you know well into Skyhold. So like I I get that we have an incomplete picture, but I liked Haven. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Haven had a lot of really good moments. Where this, I just felt frustration. And I think the reason I feel so... I I don't hate this. I just feel so frustrated by it. Because there's a really, really solid base here. But then it's just wasted trying to be funny. You know? And it it gets really awkward and just kind of embarrassing. And that's... I guess that's my biggest rant on it. I I will now hand it over to you, Jordan. Do Do you agree? Do you disagree? Um, you and I have come up with basically parallel theories on Anthem storyline separately, mm-hmm. which is really, really fascinating to me because I had already started writing um, the sort of the basis or the main thesis for what my story review is going to be when I saw you tweeting about the writing duties mm-hmm. and you made a comment about lore versus sort of everything else. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And I agree with a ton. I don't think there's anything you said that I disagree with almost. And you have hit on a ton of the same points that that I have about the game as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with the fact that it feels like Anthem is sort of at odds with itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like there's almost two different writing teams that worked on it. And the, the one thing that I sort of pinpoint the most is that underneath it, right? Like the foundation of Anthem is actually a very archetypal story. Yeah, it is. It is actually a hero's journey to the point where, like, you know, in mythology or or in many different old stories, you are literally going out of the city or going out of the village into the wilderness. And the way that Anthem is set up, I mean, that's literal. That's how the actual setting of the world is. So it's a very archetypal story at its core. It's a very old story. It's not a very novel premise at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but the actual story itself, the characters, a little bit of the plot, and a ton of the dialogue just feels like it's filled with people who are trying to shoehorn in novelty. Um, mm-hmm. The word quirky has never been worse in any other story ever than it is here. <laughs> I mean, you and I are probably going to overuse that word in writing my review. I've tried to not but, use it too much, but, it, but it's it is just so there. Apt. Yes, it's yeah. just there too damn much. And yeah. You know, you mentioned something about the characters all wanting to seem really, really, quote unquote, unique really fast. What The way that I describe it is that Bioware has fallen prey to a problem that is created, and I hate to say this, but it's actually created by the fandom, in that their characters are now written to compete with each other for who is the, quote unquote, best character or favorite character in the game. Ah, That's okay. clear, And that happened in Andromeda, and it was starting to happen in Inquisition as well, um, mm-hmm. but it happened... Every single character in Andromeda is guilty of it, and pretty much almost every single character is guilty of it here as well. And mm-hmm. it's just so annoying because there it seems as though every character is written from the standpoint of who is going to write a thread on Reddit about how much they love this character. Mm-hmm. And that's no way to write a character. That's just it- no way to write. That's not a person. You're making something yeah. up so that it garners positive tweets. 
Yeah, it, it really does feel like they're not people. They're a list of characteristic given dialogue, you know? Yeah. No, I agree completely. And I, and I yeah. wonder if that's not based on on what what their um what their writing feedback sessions are like right what is their workflow like what do they coach to because they write in a group they do they do have um, character specific writing assignments but they often talked a lot of they often talk a lot about how they write in groups and they have mm-hmm. group feedback sessions and i remember the only thing that i know that's concrete about their writing process other than the fact that individual writers get assigned um primary character duties Mm-hmm. Is that I know, I think it might have been Weeks who said that one of the things that they coach to the most in their group sessions is from a gameplay standpoint, um, when you're writing a quest, will it be clear to the player where they should go next? Mm-hmm. I remember hearing that a few years ago, and I just thought to myself, oh, how terrible. That's so, that's so awful. Because when you look at the games now, so much of the writing is expository. So much of and it's, it's so true in Anthem. It's well, it's not necessarily true in Anthem as far as where you should go next, because in Tarsus, that's not really a thing. But it's like, yeah. what what do you factually need to know about me? Here's my character sheet mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or like here's they're they're basically talking at you. They're telling you a story and not showing you a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of feel like I wonder if they haven't gotten so good at their at their group coaching sessions that they haven't just drilled that into everyone uh, to the point where the writing all starts to feel the same. <clears throat> and then I wonder if they haven't done the same thing with like, does this character feel unique enough? And so now they're just, they're jumping through hoops to try and make each and every character feel oh so special and nobody feels real. Everybody feels like a competition to win the popularity contest for best Bioware character. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that is problematic of most of the characters on Tarsus, although I will say, um, and, and we land in the exact same spot, right? There are really only three characters, well, four if you count the player character who is yeah. not who is not a character, which is another one of my problems I could talk about. That's fair. Um, but yeah, it's basically Halleck, Faye, and Owen. Um, and that trio is actually quite strong. Yeah, they're they're definitely the strongest parts, and I, they still have problems. But you know, yeah, no, they do have problems. But I'm like, I was really impressed by how strong the character dynamic is, particularly between Halleck and Faye. Mm-hmm. And actually, like, I, the freelancer is not a good character. They're they're basically almost mm-hmm. not a character. Yeah, but there is a dynamic between the freelancer and Halleck and Faye, and so you kind of have to count them as a character. Um, mm-hmm. They suck as a role playing character. Uh, let's just say, oh, I'll make a proclamation right now. Um, this is the worst protagonist ever in the history of a Bioware game. It, it almost feels like not even worth saying that because the characters barely even existent. But if we're going to say, if we're going to rank Bioware protagonists, this one has to be last. I, You know, I agree with you because like thinking back at all of my, you know, Mass Effect Dragon Age experiences, I can always think of like little lines and moments. If you put a gun to my head and threaten my entire family, I cannot say one goddamn thing <laughs> the freelancer has ever said. No, I think when you meet the monitor for the first time out in the field, it's like, I'm going to put a bullet up your ass for some reason. And that was just cringy and bad. Yeah. That's all I can remember. <laughs> yeah. I remember one line about like, one line that I thought, oh, that's interesting and a characteristic. Owen said something like, what do you like to do for fun? And they said something in the lines of like, I like card tricks. And I was like, oh, that's the, <laughs> the, 
Okay. <laughs> oh, you know what? I mean, again, this is not even a product of the protagonist as much as it is a product of Faye. But in that scene where you're talking to Faye on the wall and she said, you, you, you hand her the, the seal that's needed to make the Shield of Dawn. And she's like, why didn't you lead with this? And he goes, well, I'm your friend. I was just trying to make sure you were okay. I thought that was a little bit endearing, but that's almost more about Faye than it is about the freelancer. Yeah, really. I did. I I did not remember that until you just said it, and I only played it like two days ago. Yeah, and it's just so on the on the note of the freelancer, the protagonist. Um, mm-hmm. it's the worst one ever mm-hmm. in the history of Bioware games. Now that said, there is a dynamic between the freelancer and Halleck and Faye in that like there's that one scene when you just get done talking to the regulators after Owen has uh, made his first unapproved expedition into a into a javelin and you're all on board the strider trying to fix the strider and trying to kind of figure out what you're going to do next Mm -hmm. um that's actually a really good scene that's a very well-written scene it's a very expository scene um the writer in me is very impressed however because they got a lot of exposition in without Mm -hmm. it feeling like an info dump and they also established what the character dynamics were between owen who is new to this sort of group of halleck fey and the freelancer and then sort of showed us what the relationship is between Faye and Halleck and showed us what the relationship is between Halleck and the freelancer, which is that, you know, there's this really, there's a really great cue physically when Halleck needs tools and the, the freelancer is handing him the tools sort of before he, almost as soon as he asks for them. Yeah. And he looks a little bit frustrated by that. That is such a great instance of using a physical cue to, to introduce character dynamic. It says so much, right? It says that, there's this familiarity and this um, sort of cohesiveness to this three-person team of Fal- uh, um, Halleck, Faye, and the freelancer, even though Halleck is very reluctant to accept that again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this there's this great like sort of three-person dynamic between the three of them that I really quite like, and it's it's executed perfectly in that scene. And then and Owen I, is, I, is the fourth man out, which is another thing yeah. that, they, that they weave in perfectly. Well, that was kind of the moment where the story for me got better. Like mm-hmm. anything after that moment, I thought was much more solid than anything before it. Absolutely. And it, like, not to say that the last half was perfect, but like it, at least the last half got me interested. I was it was kind of a slog to get through the first half, but after that, the what, that cutscene you're talking about, I was suddenly like, oh, I'm have interest. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Well, the scene before that too was not great, but the scene oh, where your character the eats scene? the uh... yeah, the eating thing. Okay. Yeah, just like I thought that that was actually kind of interesting. I w- I would have loved the opportunity to have that as more of a choice, but the fact that the freelancer yeah, just that... snatches that thing and eats it for them is sort of like what a gesture, right? To sort of prove to your friends that you're back on their side, kind of a thing. I I I don't know. I thought that scene was really weird. It was um, weird. Mo- yeah, I, I guess that, that the whole setup of like a very young, quote unquote, princess, but not really princess, <laughs> yeah. a- outlaw queen or whatever, which yeah. who the hell was that? Like you see her that time and she's like set up like, oh, we're going to well, like work with her in the future. Nothing. N- not only that, <laughs> but gone. it's like it's fucking not Sloane, right? It's yeah. Sloane Kelly from Andromeda. It's the same goddamn character. <laughs> yeah, but but like 50 years younger because Sloane looks like a middle aged woman, you know, like. <laughs> Well, well, no offense to Sloane. No, but that's but... well, that's another thing, right? That's why I install that mod every time because Sloane is not a fifty-age woman. She is like twenty-something. <laughs> yeah, but like that's 
I, I, I don't know. Like, it just felt so weird. Like, how did this little girl, like, I, she's younger than me. She's a little girl. How did this little girl get an <laughs> empire of outlaws? And she's making us eat weird shit. So she acts like a child. You know, like, how did she become the Empire because, of Outlaws? Because Beyonce's cool. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows. That's a great question, honestly. Like, that, first of all, nobody can. This world is supposed to be so inhospitable that hardly anyone can make it out there. And she's, but and everyone's she, a child! Yeah! Yeah, and she's the only one who's managed to start some sort of civilization that, that primarily thrives out there. Um,. Yeah, that's a great question to ask. And no, but, no one has a good answer. <laughs> but here's the thing. And here's something, again, Michael pointed out to me. Everyone's fucking like that. Everyone is kind of a little bit childish. Mm-hmm. How have they survived? <laughs> like, uh, Michael uh, put up this this question. I, I I couldn't give him, like, a solid answer. He's like, Katie, like, I, I, don't, I don't mean to be sexist with this. But, like, this is a community that is struggling. Really, really struggling where are all the men where are they (laughs) not 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 that like it's bad to have like a bunch of women but can't like we we sat there and tried to like name characters off and like the majority of them are female which is fine but like where did the guys go (laughs) but vool is the sentinel captain what'd you say but vool is the sentinel captain Right, but you never talked to Vool. You talked yeah, to Quinn. Which, which, by the way, it's so weird, too, because he has such a great voice. Yes! My God, can we talk about voice acting? Because it sucked half the time. <laughs> I, I, there were some moments where I'm like, is this bad writing or do I not like the performance? I can't tell. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe a little bit of both. You know what I actually want to say first and foremost on voice acting? Yes. And it's so interesting, right? Because like it goes into the quirkiness of the characters, like the forced quirkiness of them, the weird writing, the forced comedy. They've got a couple of like name like actors you would recognize, right? Like Kristen Shenisal yeah. plays Sarna and Jack McBrayer um plays Amal. Um yeah. sh- those two people are really talented comedic actors. Completely um, underused. Well, I don't know if I would call them underused. The writing isn't good enough. Um, but they're definitely trying to write those characters to be funny. Mm-hmm. So it's not that, I mean, underused is one way of putting it. Their their talent is, is wasted, I would say for sure, because the writing isn't good enough. But it's also like, I feel like they cast those actors just to try and write funny characters for them. I mean, I, I'm sure they wrote the characters first, but it's like, I, I just feel like, I don't know, like, okay, I get it. You have Jack McBrayer and Kristen Shenesal, uh, they're funny, but like, could you give him something else to do other than just stick? Mm-hmm. Like that's all that Sarna and Amal are, and I like, and on on some level, I like them for that. Mm-hmm. Um, Amal still has that one delivery that's that that um, I reacted to in the demo and also in the in the main game that makes me laugh out loud every time. Which is missable because when I was playing this time, I chose another another option and I never got that. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you've got these funny actors who, number one, you're not giving them very funny material, but also like, why do you have to only give them funny material? Could you give them something else to do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, it, meanwhile, I, I don't know the actor's name, but the voice actor from Matthias, as Matthias as a singular person, I thought he was fine, but Matthias as the trio which if you're not playing, if you haven't played the game, uh, this was actually one of the demos. Matthias, the one character, becomes three Matthiases. It's weird. Anyway, and like he's given 
it, like it's the same voice actor and he does three different voices and like the voices he does is awful for all three of them. I really hate it. Oh like, wow. He does he he does like high pitched voice. He does like gruff voice. It sounds gruff. And then like goes, "Hey, surfer dude," voice. Like <laughs> I I was not in it. Do, do you agree? Disagree? No, I'm, I mean I don't disagree. That that's a real subjective thing, right? So I don't necessarily disagree with it. I just didn't feel All that right. strongly about it. It it really it really bugged me. Mostly because like. I, again, don't know the actor, but from my understanding, he was, like, a big name. Because when they were announcing, like, all of these big name actors, he was one of them. I didn't recognize him off the top of my head. So it, it just felt like, like, can you imagine, like, um, like a Nicholas Burton in that role? I think that's the, the, the male hawk. Like, he could do a whole bunch of different voices. Like, how, how cool that would have been. But no, we got... <laughs> this guy like <laughs> sure yeah, not yeah, not yeah. that he was awful he it was just flat for me and like it felt like he was doing a voice you know it didn't feel like a voice it felt like he was doing a voice and that's what bugged me and like like yarrow i actually ended up kind of liking yarrow there's there's some things i have with him but like they got an actor who's actually fairly like he's he's good uh, if for those of you who don't r- recognize him he is Carradine uh, from dragon age origins um so like i know he can do a good job because Carradine was great but like in for yarrow he i guess was forced to do a fake russian accent so, and it, this is gonna be my question so is the yeah. voice actor russian no then they shouldn't American. have made him sound like a russian <laughs> okay. right because it, it sounds like a fake russian accent it's so and, like, bad the, i don't fault him at all that is something someone told him to do and it's bullshit it sucks th- that is fair. Yeah, I, 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 I want to also clarify, I am not blaming the actor. I'm blaming whoever says, you know, you should do a fake Russian accent. Like, they, they had some guy, like, well, not Gunter. It's Gunter and other guy, who I don't know. I remember his name. But he, he sounds like he has a legit German accent. Why not get that guy? What's right. wrong with that guy? I mean, I know German is not Russian, but, like... It just change the character to be German sounding then? Like, yeah, I don't... like, whoever came up with that just had vaguely accented. Let's be honest, right? They didn't want anything specific about a Russian. They just wanted a guy with an accent. Yeah, I, and I just... Ah, oh, man. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, other voice actors well, well, that bugged let, me, but... I mean, to, to not harp too much on the people that bugged us, can we just stop for a second? And I know we're both going to agree on this. Can we just talk for a few minutes about how fucking brilliant Rochelle Neal was? The voice actress for Faye. Oh yeah, no, Faye was a shining just, star. She was. So it was good. a thing of beauty. I mean, she literally stole scenes that she was in. There were moments yes. where you felt like you should have been paying attention to someone else, and I was just paying attention to her she facial just, expressions. Yes, Faye was very, very good. Yeah, Ro- you said her name was Rochelle. Rochelle Neal. Rochelle Neal knocked it out of the park. I know not like everyone liked, like, I, I will say, I know not everyone liked Faye. And I know that there's going to be some people that didn't like Faye. I think that's fair. I think Faye in another game wouldn't have shined as well. But, it, it, like, uh, be, mostly because I think that's the writing, not Rochelle. Rochelle with her facial, because I believe she was also the mo-capper for, mm-hmm. for Faye. She, the, the, the facial animations was great and her voice acting was great. Rochelle Neal is a star. Make her come back. I'll love to see her again. <laughs> she was she was so wonderful. I, I wrote in my in my write-up that she has a naturalism that's so good it almost seems out of place in a bioware game um wolf but yeah <laughs> like she it's like crazy um how how just like I, I felt like i could really feel the character more than just hear the dialogue i know that that has a, it's an advantage of having mocap where prior bioware games sometimes haven't 
Um, mm-hmm. But even just in the vocals and in her delivery, there was just such an earnestness to it that I instantly liked her. And you're right, in spite of the fact that her character is well-written, it's not tremendously well-written. Um, mm-hmm. It's really, she actually, her performance literally makes the character so much better. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, that, I, that was just yeah. such a, that was just such a, uh, uh, you're right, it stood out so much in a sea of other performances that weren't necessarily the greatest, in part due to the writing, but... Um, yeah, I just thought she was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It it really does feel like Faye is on a whole nother level compared to the others. And I don't know if that was because of a writer, voice actor, and animator just all coming together and like do, doing a good job and like, the other ones are subpar or what. But it, it really is Faye and everyone else in my mind. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I will say that I think I think Owen is actually brilliantly acted. Um, I think that, I, that's fair. I do like I do like his voice. I just how he was written really bugged me. I think Owen is a yeah. That's the thing. I think <laughs> Owen is a tougher assignment. I think mm-hmm. it's, I think it's harder to act, you know, that character in some sense because of the exuberance, because of how all over the place he is, um, because of the I don't know, just the youth of him. He's sort of a, he's sort of an odd guy, but he doesn't he doesn't slot quite as easily into the quirky label. He's just a bit odd. He's a little bit off, but there's some parts of him that feel really earnest and heartfelt as well. There were a couple of conversations mm-hmm. with Owen that I thought were really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the actor did a phenomenal job with Owen also. And also I quite liked Halleck all the way through. And I think maybe the distinction there for between the two of us is I always saw him as a washed up um, freelancer. Mm-hmm. I never expected him to fulfill the role of, of being a hero. I really felt like, the whole point of his character was someone who I guess at one point could claim the mantle of hero, but then is sort of having to come to grips with his own fallibility and his own humanity mm-hmm. um, and doesn't want to. That, that's one of the things I wanted to mention earlier when you said about how like how you're, you make the correct assessment in saying that the, the game or the story never puts it front and center that it's his fault. Mm-hmm. And that's that is correctly um, you're correct to ascertain that as a mistake within the broader story. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily a mistake um, from a writing standpoint that Halleck never gets that. Um, yeah. The audience should get should have gotten that more clearly through the other characters. But it's an interesting and, and I would say well-written character flaw that he never gets it. And he doesn't want to, right? Like it's not it's not directly stated, but I think part of the reason why he never has that moment of saying it out loud himself is because he doesn't want to. Like, he's stubborn. Like, he he stubbornly wants to still be a hero. He stubbornly still wants to be the person taking the lead. And I think internally, he stubbornly doesn't want to admit that it's his fault. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I found his sort of like his internal struggle to be very interesting, even though it wasn't communicated perhaps as clearly as it could have been. Well, I would even argue pretty much not at all. But I, I do agree that's an really interesting thing. I just, God, I wish they would have gone more into it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think I think it so much of Halleck's character is really realized through Faye in a way. Like when she finally yes. tells him, like, you're not, dude, like you're not that anymore. And yeah. that's, you know, sort of like you need, those two characters really need each other, right? Like yeah, what I'm talking about with Halleck, he was never going to get to a point where he accepted it. He needed Faye to kind of throw it in his face. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only way he was ever going to kind of get to that. Um, and then also I found it really interesting that I think it's after the main, like after you do the Heart of Rage mission, where you, did you ever go to the bar after that and find him drinking? 
I did, yeah. yeah. He's just like off his ass drunk, I guess, is celebrating. But at the same time, I'm like, I wonder if a dude with this much baggage, like it made me curious. It's one of those instances where, again, I just thought we needed more of Halleck yeah. to sort of explore him a little bit more because I'm like, is this a coping mechanism for him? Is this a rare thing? Does he always get drunk? What does that mm-hmm. say about a guy with this much internal conflict and turmoil, you know? Yeah. Also, where did his wound go? <laughs> I don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> it's just, that's just one of those, like, ah, the story didn't need it anymore, so yeah. we just wrote it out. Yeah. He got happy again, and then it was... <laughs> he magically healed. There's no need for that anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting that we landed in a lot of the same places on our assessment of the story, which may- maybe a lot of people will land in the same place, but that, overall, that's how I felt about Anthem. It's, just, it's a story, mm-hmm. it is a story that, to me was written by people that didn't actually believe in what the story should have been. Because I think this story should have been a very classic quintessential hero's journey tale. And it should have been written straight, quote unquote, a lot more than it was. And, and, And I think we noticed the quirkiness even more because Dragon Age kind of lends to a little bit of quirkiness. And so does Mass Effect on some level. But I really feel like this story did not. It, it really should have been a lot bleaker than what it was. Mm-hmm. Fort, mm-hmm. Tar- Fort Tarsus is supposed to be the last... Again, if you read the codex entries, which you shouldn't yeah. necessarily have to, but uh, yeah. they are the last settlement in the region of Bastion, which previously also had Freemark, and Freemark is being destroyed. And so the trade to the capital cities and the larger cities, it's like the last... Um, how do I, Fort Tarsus is, is the last stop before total wilderness. Mm-hmm. And it's now on the brink as well because um, Scar attacks are on the rise and the Dominion presence is mm-hmm. increasing. Like, this should be a really bleak story. People yeah. should not be joking around with this stupid bullshit all the time in Tarsus. Yeah. Like, if they had one character, like, maybe if it was just a mall because he is a bartender and you can kind of see that that's where people go to try and escape their problems... Mm-hmm. maybe that would actually make sense as a change of pace character. But the fact that it's everywhere, including people like Bryn or don't even get me started on fucking Sentinel Dax. Jesus oh Christ. Oh my God. Fucking Dax. Fuck me up. Got that one goddamn cut for people who have not either got the cutscene or are never going to play. If, this if you game. talk about the one that I wrote, about, I wrote like six paragraphs. So I swear to God, if you talk about that one, I'm going to like virtually high five you. We, the, the, what will you first meet her? Oh, no, it wasn't that, but that was really bad also. <laughs> yeah, God, no, the the one that drove me me crazy, personally, mm-hmm. was you, 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 so you, you, you're supposed to meet Sentinel Dask, who is a princess, I guess, and... <laughs> Another one. <laughs> Another, yeah, there's a thousand for Jesus some reason. Christ. Well, who you, you go into is obsessed a... with princesses? This is what I want to know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, you, you go in there, and you meet her at the bar, and you're talking with her, and then suddenly, in the background, someone's purse gets stolen, and then, like, without looking, she, like, punches the dude and says, sorry, Sentinel duty, pushes the guy over to the bar, is keep talking with you, and then this motherfucking guy comes up with flat flowers and she goes oh hold on takes the flowers gives it to the man and then like they're talking and you're like what the hell is going on in this cutscene and then suddenly her boss from the sentinels comes up and yells at her and then she goes oh uh sorry i just have so much shit to do this is so crazy oh my god (laughs) see you later freelancer wink and then she just leaves and you're sitting there with a criminal and a guy with flowers and a sentinel commander going what the fuck I did. I just watch that scene is it it feels like it's written by someone who really likes family guy, but isn't funny. (laughs) 
And I just, like, I want to find someone who wrote, and I know this sounds really mean, but I don't care because I'm a writer. And I, when I write something that's shit, I do the decent thing and put it in a goddamn hard drive where nobody can see it. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't force presumably talented actors to act out my bullshit. So, like, I just want to find the person who wrote this and go, this is funny. I go, this is funny? Show me. No, show me. Point to me on the page where it's funny. Because I didn't laugh. I, I didn't smile. I didn't have a grin. I just sat there as I watched that scene going like, what is this nonsense? Yes. 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 Now, what, what was the cut scene that really got up your ass? It wasn't the cut scene. It was the first scene. In her, it was the first uh, uh, quest in her quest chain to figure out why people are disappearing from the Emerald Abyss or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's the sequence goes like this. In that quest, she tells you to go meet to meet her near the abyss so you can start the investigation. She's mm-hmm. not there. And then she goes, oops, sorry, blah, blah, again, that same sort of oopsie, I'm such a klutz, whatever, I'm not there. Mm-hmm. So then she goes, That's a, that doesn't matter, go to this camp and I'll walk you through it. Okay, just pause right there. Walk me through what? Because at this point in the story, I don't know what we're doing. I know we're investigating, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know why we came to this spot. I don't know why you're telling me to go to this camp. Why didn't we go to that camp first? And walk me through what? Because I literally have no idea what's going on yet. And then we get there. She doesn't walk me through anything. I just find a, a, like a data cache or like a little archive or whatever. And then mm-hmm. you have to do the thing where you stay in the green circle so Faye can decrypt it or whatever. And then, and then it says, okay, well, based on whatever's in this cache, go to this other location. And I'm like, okay, fine. And so then on the way, you intercept the radio signal that sounds like outlaws getting attacked by an Ursix or something. Mm-hmm. And so then she goes beautiful this is what we're looking for go there and i'm like okay and so the freelancer goes are we sure we want to go there it sounds like they're being attacked and then she says this she goes oh we're not looking for outlaws we're looking for a cipher link and i'm like when were we looking for outlaws i didn't even realize we were you're telling me we're not looking for outlaws i didn't think we were why are we looking for a cipher link and then you go into the cave or whatever And the freelancer finally wakes up from whatever coma he's in. So he's finally just like, (laughs) he's finally like, hey. (laughs) My God, Jordan, I forgot about this. And I'm just like seething in rage over here because I'm remembering my confusion. And then then you go, Dax, why are we looking for the cypher link? (laughs) (laughs) I can't even get through it. I can't even get through it. I, I... I, I thought you were going to say when when we when we because there's a couple of these by the way and a couple of these so also awful. has Bryn promising Wait. to meet you and then she doesn't actually Dax, meet you but Dax the one is... where she oh sorry Dax when, when Dax Wait, actually let, let me, does let me, real, let me real quick finish that one okay go because for it she, sorry she goes she goes why are we looking for the Sentinel link and she goes oh because it has intel on it and he goes okay what kind of intel and she goes important intel and he goes Dax and then she has. I'm not kidding you. This might be the stupidest line of dialogue in the history of Bioware games. She goes, if it was, if it, if I had all the answers, it wouldn't be a mystery. And I just, I wanted to throw my controller because that's so terrible. That is not acceptable. Do you want to know what that is, really? It, it sounds like a writer talking to themselves about why they don't, why they're not a better writer. Right? Like... <laughs> I, like that's what you do when it's like 2 a.m. and you don't care anymore and you know you're going to take that part out tomorrow. Like you write that when you go, oh, shit, I don't know why this story is happening either. And then you just write you try to write a joke to cover it up. 
it's so it is so flagrantly and almost defiantly lazy. <clears throat> like it, it's like the writer saying, I don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. No one knows what's going on. No one is supposed to go know what's going on. But isn't it so darn mysterious and hilarious? And it's like, <laughs> no, it isn't. It's stupid. <laughs> I was I so incensed about that one line of dialogue. If I knew, if I had all the answers, it wouldn't be a mystery. It's like, that's not a mystery. Have you ever read a mystery novel? <laughs> like, that's not what mysteries are. A mystery is like, everything makes sense except for these one or two pieces of information that are missing. And it, it, you just like, it drives you crazy because it's so close. But you mm -hmm. just need one or two more clues. Like, this is just nonsense. That's not a mystery. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to talk about that one cutscene when you do finally meet up with her at, like, the bandit camp. You go through hilarious hijinks. And then, like, for some reason, to meet the bandit leader who has the journal you're looking for, you get out of your javelins. And then, for some <laughs> reason, you right. get attacked. Oh, God, you're right. Why did I do? Oh, why would my character? These are people trying to kill us, and the only thing between death and them is that we have these super suits. Hey, let's get out of them. Oh God, I forgot are about that too. I forgot me? about that part. Yeah, that whole. Here's the thing, though. That whole quest sucked up until the end, where I thought the the the, the conclusion was actually really interesting. So yes. there, there was someone on that team who probably says, "Man, this quest line. I really wanted to get to this place, and I don't really care how." And that just is how it felt right no you, you nailed it i was gonna say the exact same thing the ending of that quest is actually decent but the problem i think you described it perfectly right what they had in their head for a story was this sort of loose idea of a character that's not very good their opening mm -hmm. scene which is also not very good and an, mm -hmm. and an ending that's decent and they basically had no story they just bullshitted their way to the end yeah yeah I mean, no, yeah. I hate to sound so angry about it, but it's just like, it's so, it's so unapologetically lazy mm -hmm. to the point where I can recognize it a mile away. And then on top of that, like I said, there are moments of writing that are actually really good in this game. Like, mm -hmm. like we both talk about that, that scene with <clears throat> Faye um, on the wall where she's sort of expressing her own sort of fatigue with everything that's going on and like her own doubts about it and her regret and how she treated Halleck and just the whole thing is so well written and well acted. The scene I talked about before where it sets up the character dynamics and everything in the Strider, so well written, so sharply written. And then other scenes that are just like, what the hell happened? Yeah, <clears throat> it it's it. God, I, I think that why we're getting so fired up about this is because moments like that like Faye on the wall are 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 actually really good and that we get so frustrated with the crap because this uh, andromeda felt doomed andromeda felt like the kind of stupid little brother you're like oh but he's sweet you know you know he's kind of nice but then like andromeda or sorry anthem is wasting its potential that's right. your friend that got into drugs and yep. just destroyed their lives you know so it's way more frustrating than like the kid in the corner who isn't that smart but at least he's trying his best you know <laughs> <laughs> i like it yeah it's that is the a strange so... but accurate description, I think. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> uh... I, real quick, one NPC I want to bring up on, because I think it's a good example of something that I know people are going to complain about. We kind of talked about it already, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, God, Merelda, I think is her name, the old woman. Uh, yeah, I think it's Merelda <clears throat> or Esmeralda. Or it might just be Merelda. 
I, I started with an M, I know. So I guess it's Merelda. Merelda, yeah. It, for people who can't remember her name, it's the old woman that like lost her daughter. Or I don't know, you played a guy. Is it a son for yeah. a guy? Yep, it's a son. Okay, yeah. So lost her child, depending on freelancer's gender, and thinks that you're the child. I People are like praising her story because it's like heart-wrenching and whatever. And like I, I will give it credit for being like at least serious and why everyone else is kind of like quirky. But, like, that one was interesting for me because at, at least coming from, like, I have a, obviously, psychology background, I was horrified by it. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Because, like, cause it, so she, like, there's some conversation and some buildup. And, like, the first conversation you have with Merelda, she's like, oh, I lost my child. You kind of remind me of my child. She was a freelancer and did whatever, and I'm just waiting for her to come back. Oh, when did you last see her? Oh, in the big city that exploded, like, however many years ago. Like, oh, okay, she's dead. She goes, no, she'll be back any minute now. Okay, that's fine. I, I actually thought it was a really good conversation. That was interesting, whatever. So the next time you see her, she thinks you're her son or daughter. And you're, and you, you're, given, the, you're given the choice to say, yes, I am that person, or no, I am not. You are confused. So, of course, I put no, you are not because you really should not be putting into these. My biggest problem here is that you should not be feeding into people's delusions unless you're a trained professional. And there's a very good reason you have to like mm -hmm. they're not accepting care otherwise. Otherwise, you don't do it or you fear for your life. But that's like literally Merelda is standing right by a police officer. I don't think that's the case. Right. <laughs> so anyway, so I pick no. And the rest of that conversation, your your character saying, no, no, I'm not that person. But the next time you talk with her, yes. your character will say, hey, ha like, hi, mom, or something like that. I'm like, oh, I did not. I very purposely did not put that. You're forcing that choice upon me. And I feel like that kind of happens sometimes. It's just the conversation I actually <clears> want to go to. Where, like, you're given a non-choice. And, like, the next line of dialogue will kind of reference that. And then uh, nothing. You know, like great like there, there are some moments where your choices does matter but it, it's so few and far between to the point mm -hmm. of like why make me choose why make me choose I, I agree and that um that character interaction in particular i remember quite a bit and, it, and i remember exactly the same moment that you just described which mm -hmm. is when you come back for that i think it's maybe the third conversation yeah and your character starts off by by entertaining the delusion, I, mm -hmm. in that moment, I was like, oh, if that's what's happening, I'm never talking to this NPC again. I'm ignoring yeah. the rest of this quest line because I yeah. do not want that. I specifically chose all of the dialogue options to the contrary of that. And it's mm -hmm. not healthy. <laughs> yeah. And so I was very like, you know, I just, I was not happy with the fact that that was happening. <laughs> so I'm glad that eventually you do get to sort of um, complete that thread the other direction. But also. I had a problem with that too. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how the other version went because I encourage her not. I, I encourage her to accept reality every step of the way. But like, if they have a happy, happy-go-lucky, warm feeling inside, ending to the other version of that, what nonsense! Yeah, I, I again, I I can't. I I did exactly what you did, so I can't say. Which on our stream, we should. De I definitely want to try to do it the other way, see what the ending is, because I'm really curious. Because if if for some reason there's a quirky, oh, she thinks I'm her daughter, haha, -ha, and like that's just how it ends. That is, I I don't like the word, but actually problematic. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, no, it is. <laughs> that is legitimately <clears throat> awful. Um, but yeah, I I just. 
Which I, I no, you know, I'm not even going to get to how like the story didn't make sense in my mind. I'm just going to no. Well, what I wanted to say though is, uh, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The destruction of Freemark happened ten years prior to Anthem, right? The destruction happened ten years prior, and the the mission that you were go uh, that you had with Halleck was two years prior to try and uh, stop the Heart of Rage. So yeah, okay. So this woman has been probably let's be generous and say it happened five years after the event, which it wouldn't, or maybe I don't know that that is ridiculously long time to have trauma and then like go into that. So let's let's be generous and say she has been five years living under this delusion that her daughter's going to come back, even though her herself says that she has not. A five-minute conversation with someone that kind of looked like her child, saying, "By the way, your child's dead," cured her. Excuse me? Excuse me. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) And and there's no mention of, oh, they, I, I, I took note of this. At one point, someone mentions that there are psychologists in this world. Mm -hmm. Nobody took this woman to a psychologist. Nobody. (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me, by the way? (laughs) That bothered me so much. I remember that, honest to God. Uh, maybe this is a segue to talking to this neck. That is the moment where I, at two in the morning, could not stand it anymore, Googled credits to Anthem so I could look up all the writers and see yeah. what they have worked on because it just bothered me so much. Uh, I agree. No, I think that that interaction, I'm surprised to, to hear that people are actually praising it because I actually oh, I yeah. actually find that, I didn't think it was very good. What I think is What I think is good about it is that it's a very good premise. But I think that this is a problem yeah. that Anthem has throughout the game is that it actually mm-hmm. has a lot of good premises that are executed on quite poorly. Yes. Um, and this is, this is one of the best examples of that. That is a very interesting idea. <clears throat> a character mm-hmm. who mistakes the protagonist for their dead child. If you were pitching that to me as a one-liner, I would go, great, go off and write that story. That sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. If you came back to me with like like what you said, that level of dialogue, which is really shallow and really sort of surface, and there's really no movement in the plot. I mean, maybe because you're locked into the to the storytelling device of Fort Tarsus, which is stand in front of someone and nothing really happens except you sort of exchange a few lines of dialogue. But um, yeah, I didn't think that that I didn't think that that dialogue was very strong. In fact, I thought it's pretty weak, to be quite honest. I thought the premise mm-hmm. was good, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is what one of my favorite ones, however, was the one with the double agent, the sleeper agent. Mm. I thought that was actually, again, executed as well as it could have been. No, but I really liked that premise a lot. The idea of a sleeper That's, agent. Okay, I, 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 I will totally get the premise on that. But yeah, a lot of the execution I wasn't happy with. What what problems did you feel it had? So I, I don't know what ending you... I don't even know if there's multiple endings, to be quite honest. Um, so I guess the premise is, for people who haven't played the game, a woman comes up to you and says, my husband's having some PTSD stuff because he's a spy. Can you go talk to him? Sure. You go talk to him. He goes, oh, by well, the way, like, I'm working... F- well, he, well, because he's a defector who came over to our side from the Dominion. Well, he, she doesn't tell you that at first, though. He tells you that. Oh, that's right. Oh, you're right. No, you're right. That's in the first conversation with him. Okay. Uh-huh. Never mind. Continue. And, then, and then you're like, oh, you're Dominion. Oh, <laughs> shit. Which is the Dominion's like, you know, the, the hilariously evil Russian people, whatever. <laughs> I don't even know. <clears throat> or, or or like, you know, that's it. No, not, 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 that's another time. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you and I were going to go to the same place. <laughs> yeah, we're like that. They're, just, okay. they're, they're capitalists is what they are. <laughs> 
golly. Okay, anyway. So, and he's done, like, terrible, awful things. He tells you about all the terrible, awful things to do, but he's having some memory problems. Hijinks ensues. I don't know. You find out that his, which I, this is the problem. Well, part one of the problems I had. If you say a code phrase to him, he jumps back to his actual personality and says, oh, yeah, I'm an actual spy from Dominion. I was sent to fall in love with this woman uh, my my current wife, and while I do love her, I have been feeding secrets to the enemy. Cheers. And then he goes, and then like you say the word again, and he goes back to his, oh, who am I? Whatever. That makes no sense. I wish there was like some sort of like, oh, what was brainwashed? Brain girl, I need some magic here. Just it's some techno doodad to help mm, me understand yeah. this because otherwise it makes no sense. <laughs> Whatever. So eventually, Tassin comes up to you and says, hey. Or, or, well, you're you're already talking with the man and wife, and then Tassin comes up and says, uh, "Which you're given the choice to tell the wife uh, if he's a defector, if he's a double agent or not." And then I did. So I told her, "Yes, he is." And then Tassin comes up and says, "Hey," uh, th- uh, which in a, <laughs> you know, I'm not even going to talk about the, how the setup is so convenient. But anyway, Tassin comes up and says, "Someone's been feeding us secrets." I mean, sorry lady but your husband is number one you know person because he is a spy you know he has been sending these things so you're given the choice to tell Tassin no he's going to be good from now on because that's what he told you a spy <laughs> working for Dominion told him he's going to be good again because he loves his wife or you're going to tell Tassin yeah this, this he has been doing it look at what he can do so I told Tassin because I you know I maybe I'm a nationalist I don't know I think it's for the the better that the, apparently the the Dominion don't win and then the game punishes you for being honest because for some reason now the man and the woman have to get divorced and he's in a comfy prison why why could why did they have to get divorced why oh, why did she have to I don't leave? know because he was in jail for the rest of his life but he's not in jail. He can live in an apartment and live a normal life. <laughs> well, he just can't be married for some reason. Yeah. And, like, she's perfectly fine with it, by the way. Like, in, in Codex entries, Tassin makes her leave because she's too close to him. You know, so so first of all, to, to answer your question, there are two endings. Uh, and the second part of that is you are way nicer than I was. <laughs> uh, what did you do? Because that motherfucker died in the one I got. <laughs> You can kill him? How, how did you get that? I exiled him. And then uh, when the next time you talk to his <laughs> wife, she's like, well, that's as good as a death sentence because he's been, they, they reported that he died. Oh, so no, this is what she says. He made it back to the Dominion and they killed him. Uh-huh. Because they thought that he had been compromised or, or for failing his mission or whatever the case was. Like, So the Dominion are hardcore. So I chose to exile him because I was the same thought process generally that you were, which is like, we're not going to be nice to this fucking spy, okay? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Bioware with your happy, good-feeling bullshit. Like, this guy is a spy who, by the way, talked at length about how he felt guilty for torturing and killing people in ruthless and awful ways. And yeah. So, and so I'm like, yeah, no, this guy's got to go. And so when they were like, you know, we're going to exile him or there's an option to exile him. I'm like, I was going to say kill him outright. But I'm like, OK, if exile is as harsh as we can go, then exile him. See, I was at least think I, I guess this is the Liliana in me. Oh, he's usable. Let's use him against the Dominion, which is my thinking. <laughs> that's a good, no, that's a good point. That's actually a good, yeah. that's a good uh, angle for it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess I maybe in the back, like I thought if, if, if he dies, he dies, whatever. But maybe in the back of my head, there was like a 5% that was thinking about the one guy in Mass Effect Andromeda, where mm-hmm. when you exile him, he like sort of redeems his life and he ends up on Kadara and he's better off for it. Ah, uh, yeah. No, that guy. 
Dead apparently. They gotta um, get rid of him. So yeah, and then the wife was really <laughs> mad at me because she's like, "Well, you killed him because you exiled him." Blah blah blah. So at least I mean that's actually good to know that there is like, actually different endings. Or different that is yeah, that's that true. Quest. That uh, in this whole entire <clears throat> thing we've been talking about, this is the first time. Which granted, we we did a lot in common that there have been different endings. <laughs> which is why I liked this quest. I liked the way that it was set up. All I like, right. I wish the dialogue was a little bit sharper, but uh, and I wish that you know. I wish that not all of the Fort Tarsus stories were so locked in to the perspective of just standing in front of someone. Mm-hmm. It would have been a lot cooler if the naturalistic thing could happen and that guy actually tries to fight you when you arrest him or exile him and you get to have like, but, but they don't have combat outside of Javelin. So what are you going to do? Right? Like the gameplay is just not set up for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Yeah. Or or at least have them do something other than standing there. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, a character. Like, have a mall instead of just leaning on the bar. Like, have them clean some glasses. I don't know. Just, <laughs> just like... which, which, on the opposite end, then you have people like Faye, who's, like, tw- switching her hand movements every 10 seconds. <laughs> I mentioned like, a this, yeah. I think, I yeah. think that's kind of random on her part. Um... Yeah, like, that's my only complaint of Faye. It's like, when you talk to her, like, in a not-quite-cut-scene, she's like, yeah, mm-hmm. w- when when you told me that I had not quite gotten to Faye yet, but now that I, I have I have been there, it's like doing the safety dance. I don't. I'm not quite sure what she's <laughs> she's doing with her hands. Uh, she gesticulates a lot, you know. Yeah, like a lot. Uh, oh boy, that's another thing, right? So there is a noticeable difference between the actual mocap cutscenes and the sort of um, let's call them side conversations on Tarsus. Like yeah, you- well, there's a there's a uh, like also related. <clears throat> There is a huge difference in quality of generic NPC faces and like mocapped faces, like in in the quality of just how they look. Like you can definitely tell generic looking versus this is an actual person. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't think the animations are ever like bad anywhere, but they're definitely you know they're just like okay on the on the normal conversations. I think they're all pretty decent until someone smiles. Something about especially Halleck smiling is just kind of creepy. It definitely like gets that uncanny valley, unfortunately, for me at least. Yeah, the structure of his face kind of needs the naturalistic mm-hmm. look of the mocap smile. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Um... <clears throat> But yeah, I mean, okay, so, I mean, this is, we knew this was going to be a long one, but let's just say story-wise, um, do we have any mm-hmm. other big points that we want to hit and cover on this? <sighs> <clears throat> what the hell was the point of Lucky Jack? I'm really trying to figure that out. I, I say this as someone that I at least likes the voice actor a lot. I don't know. I didn't really talk with him that, like, he didn't say much, which you could say that what's the point of anybody? Like, like, um, as well, I'll... Uh, here's another thing. I kind of liked Prospero just because of the voice actor. Did not care like of what he said. He had a nice <laughs> voice actor. I feel the yeah. same way about Lucky Jack. They're they're supposed to be, I guess, vendors. Like Lucky Jack represents like the daily trials and whatnot. But like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, it's like Lucky Jack is a guy that stands next to the table that tells you what you need to know about the daily trials. <laughs> yeah, but even then, like he, the only thing, it, Lucky Jack and like Sarnia. And so they're just there when I pass by and they have like some random dialogues like, I bet you come to Uncle Vani's or, hey, buddy, have you checked in recently lately? <laughs> that man Gunter, the one with the scarf, where did he get it? Do you know? Like, <laughs> that's like. You know, I, I like Prospero's voice actor as well, but you know what? I don't know what my yes. real problem with Prospero is, and I didn't notice it 
fully um, until I had actually listened to the Game Informer podcast talk about this. It's just like, mm-hmm. obviously, he's the DLC vendor, right? Like, he's the he's the <laughs> mic- he is the microtransaction vendor, and that's mm-hmm. that's all the Game Informer folks said about it. And I'm like, huh? And then that got me thinking, and I'm like, you know what happened? Some executive somewhere at EA like challenge. This is the word that executives like to use. I really <laughs> challenge you and your team, Casey, to think how your great storytelling tradition at Bioware could really work within the synergistic needs of the broader company. <laughs> oh, Jordan, and, the language you're using. <laughs> and somebody at Bioware like literally took that too far. And this is where Prospero's entire personality came from of like, you got to come in with thunder and like, you can't come in looking oh plain. God, you're right. And oh I'm like, God, they, you're right. They wrote a whole character to sell us microtransactions <laughs> to which I say, Fuck off. Okay, that is fair. That is fair. I will grant you that. The voice actor really rocked it, and I like him a lot, but damn, you were right. That's his whole... Like, he, even even the story he tells you, which is kind of interesting. Like, they did a good job yeah. of trying to do that, where, like, he was a kid, and he saw how these... What was it? Like... I think it was a Titan, maybe. Yeah, like a Titan that came in, and it was just so powerful and awe-inspiring, and that's how javelins and freelancers should be. And I'm like okay, I can kind of see how that would influence him as a person. But then it all comes back to, like, how believable of a microtransaction pusher is he? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was just like, after after I realized that, I was like, oh, God, I can't stand him now. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I, I like him from The Voice. I like him. He has a weird face that I appreciate. He's not a generic-looking NPC. But That's yeah, true. now that... Now that you're just saying, it kind of reminds you of just like another way to push microtransactions. Like it did sully it for me. You ruined him, right? <laughs> you ruined him. Uh, God. Well, uh. so, Sarna kind of got ruined for me. She just did it herself because she just eventually she doesn't have anything to say. Yeah, and she just talks about petting baby animals. And you're like, great. And it's just like also super unsafe and stupid. And like you tell mm. her not to do it, and she's just like, but my cousin has a gun. And I'm like, oh Jesus Christ. Uh, you know what i don't like her i'll say that but it 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 did feel like she was a spoiled uh mafia princess i guess is what i'm trying to go for like oh yeah it it felt like that like she doesn't know real consequences i get that at the same time i wish that there was more backstory to like really push that oh she's a spoiled princess who doesn't understand consequences and this is her first job and she's doing badly at it. I wish that was better written, but I think that character, when I say it sounds interesting, but in the, in the action, you just like, you just think, who is this crazy girl? Why does she want to like do all of this (laughs) weird petting stuff? And Oh great. Her cousin has a gun. (laughs) Like, (laughs) so she's safe now to which every gun owner is like, what? (laughs) Yeah, and you out in the field as a javelin going like what <laughs> yeah i was just sitting there going like i guess this is going to be a contract later retrieve the body of the dead materials vendor <laughs> yeah really golly uh, oh, yeah i don't know i just think overall that the story was i mean i think if we're being generous the best oh, we can say is jordan. that it's good jordan we didn't even talk about the i guess end credit scene with the ergoth Oh, who cares? <laughs> exactly, though. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, no, no, okay, you know, okay, so uh, do you want to just, like, do the super brief summary of it and what the implications might be? Because there's, there's one other major thing we didn't talk about. 
Well, okay, we'll do we'll do that, but then I and then I want to know what you when you when you have. So the Ur, so like the story of this world is that humans were enslaved by the Urgoth, which if you want to know what they look like, think of Protheans. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. It's so so the, the so proto Protheans enslaved the human race, and then General Tarsus, I believe, rose up and defeated them. She's Andraste, which that's another thing I want to talk about later. Um, so Andraste freed freed the humans and defeated the Urgoth, and then they go away. And so, like, that's the history of the world. It's been like hundreds of years later. And then at the I guess end credit scene, it's a little bit it, it's a little bit weird. You're taken in by Tassin, and then. Some guy named Casey Grandmaster Hudson. Adams, Casey Hudson, yeah, <laughs> Casey Hudson comes in because he's Grandmaster Adams and he sounds like a surfer dude. I have no idea who this Grandmaster guy is. I'm pretty and sure it was Casey Hudson. I would believe it because he had kind of has like the curly hair going, whatever. Anyway, they show him an Urgoth and like, I swear to God, this, this Grandmaster Adams is like, hey, chill, man. Hey, this is like an Urgoth. Ain't that crazy? One of our scouts found it. But anyway, hey, and like he like snaps at you or something like, hey, can you just like not tell anyone about this? Because this shit's crazy. Anyway, word, dude. Peace out. Like, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> I just like, I, that's... I, would, I, I felt like he was about to like roll up a joint and like tell <laughs> me about the like, honestly, by that point, I was just like, first of all, that is Casey Hudson. Like, it looks just like him. I'm sitting there and like, I, and I can't get past it either because I'm just like, Casey Hudson fucking put himself in the game. <laughs> this fucking guy. And I love Casey Hudson. He seems like great. He's the creative director of fucking KOTOR. Like, that's awesome, man. Oh, but like, this motherfucker put himself in a video game because he's the head of the studio now. <laughs> Which is like more power to him. Maybe I do the same thing in that position. But like, yeah, that twist at the end, if you even want to call it that, was just like, okay, like, I don't care about the Urgoth because you barely talked about him. Exactly. Like, I, it, yeah, exactly. That's all I can say. And, and like. And they look like Protheans. It's and they look like Protheans. It looks like Bioware alien character number four. Like, it just looks like Protheans, like Turians, like in, uh, Angara. Like, this is... Yeah. It looks like the yeah. It looks like all of them. The cat. It just looks like a, a Bioware alien. Again. Yeah. So what, what was the thing that we forgot to talk that you, you, you thought? Um, we didn't talk about the villain. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we because didn't talk he, about Because he sucks. Oh, okay. I, I I will say like minus the freelancer dialogue. The moment you meet him is kind of interesting because he want to cuts cuts a deal with the person. I'm like, okay, that's kind of interesting. But then he's just like never seen again. Remember at all? When I don't know if it was the last live stream or, or podcast or when I said I think they've maybe learned from some of the lessons of the past. Mm -hmm. That's the scene that I was talking about. Yeah, which was but that's that that is pretty much the only scene that's the, it. he talks he talks to you once as like a, a force ghost or right. whatever it is and i can't even remember what he says uh, not at all the, and then he appears as the boss battle where he turns into god but somehow we beat him <laughs> i still don't know what quite happened there and that's it yeah that's it Okay, there, there's actually two more points in the story, and oh my god, like at least on my counter, we've been talking for an hour seventeen minutes, and we're not. We have there's two more other major topics we have to go through, and we're just gonna get through this story. This is just gonna I mean, be a marathon episode. Right. I'm, if you're okay with it, I'm okay with it because this is we're, Anthem just came out, so I mean we're fucking doing it. Okay, so the the two beats I wanted to do, um, I already just forgot one of them, but so I'll say the one I wanted to say. <laughs> 
the the actual lore of anthem i like i'm not like a master of it i I will say that um but i think the reason i like it it's kind of a lot like dragon age um like a lot uh (laughs) like there's a lot of like the same beats to it and like I, I, I will say I looked it up at let you know, hold on, I have the image on my phone. Um, but like the the people who actually did the base lore is David Gator and James Olin, who literally did the world of Dragon Age Origins. The the mm-hmm. people who like did the base lore for Anthem literally did Dragon Age. And like there's like this weird song thing going on, like Anthem and Lyrium. There's the essentially the Andraste character in Helena Tarsus. There is so many other like little things that goes, oh, that reminds me a lot of Dragon Age that like I just I think I like it because it's sci-fi Dragon Age, <laughs> you know? Essentially. And yeah. like Yeah, and and like <clears throat> again, it's not bad. It just it's it's it it's like that meme of hey can I copy your homework sure just like erase some of the details, and, <laughs> and so, I don't so know accurate. if that's I don't know if that's awful or not so I don't know if that automatically makes it bad because it's just Dragon Age and like there are some differences I guess I guess <laughs> but it's it's just I don't know it 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 kind of when with. When I started reading it, and I was like, "Oh, these are really cool details. I really like." And when the the puzzle pieces started falling together, I was like, "Huh." And then when I read it was literally Dragon Age guys, I was like, "Huh." <laughs> so it's just, I, I guess I just don't know how to feel about it. Is what I'm trying to say. I, I, I do generally like it, but I think that's just because I love Dragon Age so much that it feels comfy and comfortable and. I'm I'm really biased in this. I don't think I can give a good answer. So, I don't know. I think the core idea, and this is this is the main theme for my entire sort of thesis on on Anthem stories, that the core ideas are a lot better than what they what was done with them. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I hate to make it sound so divisive or accusatory as to break it down to to what you're saying, but I kind of feel like my theory maps on perfectly to yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the idea that it's just literally separate writers. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, which Should we talk about the writers real quick? If you want to, yeah. We're kind of at that space, so yeah, why not? Um, I So I tried to put together a little spreadsheet. I only finished half of it because all of the notes are honest to God. I was on my phone the entire time. <laughs> uh, this is like a couple days ago. When, whatever the day was, I went on a Twitter rant. It was like that night I had gone like looked up a screenshot and then honestly on my phone and like using the iPhone's like doodle abilities to like make little dots of who did what, uh, <laughs> you know, d- just what writer went where. Um, and like, I-, I think I really need to point out that the lead for Ant, well, there's two leads on Anthem, but I think it's the main lead. I don't know, but the, the Anthem and Mass Effect Andromeda share a lead writer. Um, it's the writer of Jal and Caden and the Leviathan DLC. Like there has been some, I th- like I like Jal out of and- or out of Andrama. That was one of my favorite characters. Like I, I, I don't think these are necessarily bad writers. And like you, you mentioned that uh, this this woman. I, uh, I, I honestly, after a conversation, I would say her last name, but God help me if I can't pronounce that. <laughs> um, there's <laughs> Kathleen, I guess. Ka- Kathleen and uh, I, I think Jay maybe too. I don't know. But they, they have a, like a humorous um, 
writing background. Like they they've written humor before. So it it I I wonder it's because like she's the lead writer. Like some of that came out like that. Like like you like you mentioned. I I don't know. Um, it, it just kind of like I I, I don't want to like go through every writer and like go through like their entire um catalog because I feel like that would be too much. <laughs> um, I I will say one of the writers listed jocelyn af barabek i think she has absolutely no listings anywhere else as a writer but she is listed as a voice actress on a couple of different bioware projects so i don't know if she's just in the wrong place or she became a writer that one i'm honestly confused about um if she is if she did become a writer that means she's one of three people who are new completely new writers on any like major games um now, where did the, you source this list? Uh, a mixture of their own Twitters, if I could find them, and then IMBD. Okay, okay. And then, like, uh, like Dragon Age Wiki, ugh, you were, like, the Dragon Age Wiki is so good sometimes. Like, they would list, like, okay, these are the writers, these, like, these writers in Dragon Age wrote these exact characters. Mass Effect eh, didn't do a great job, but even sometimes the Dragon Age Wiki would peek up, like, oh, and here's what they wrote in Mass Effect. Sure, yeah. uh, I, I love you, Dragon Age Wiki. <laughs> anyway, but, um, so, like, the, the places I could find them, it's a little bit of their Twitters, a little bit of IMDB, a little bit of really anywhere I could find, even some, um, uh, interviews uh, really anything I could find I threw it in here right. um so by my list three of these writers for sure well two of these writers for sure are on Dragon Age 4 one of them is on an unannounced game but they are definitely working on the Dragon Age team so like that has to be Dragon Age 4 in my mind <laughs> so that means three of these writers share Dragon Age Inquisition or Dragon Age uh, 4 credits um how many one two three three of them have worked on dragon age inquisition uh one two three four of them worked on max effect andromeda and five worked on the mass effect three or two it kind of depends none of the really mass effect one people there except for drew carpition um yeah so it it, if you want to glom up who kind of did this we have one mass effect uh veteran drew carpition one well, John, Dragon Age. John Dom, hmm? Did John Dombro not come in until ME2? I'm pretty sure he was on ME1 all the way through. Uh, I, which, which one? John Dombro. I only had him listed as Mass Effect 3. I didn't see him in Mass Effect 2. I mean, for, Maybe, su- for sure in 3, because that's what he's most known for, because his writing of Gears yeah. was phenomenal in 3. Mm-hmm. Um, I might be wrong on that, but anyway. Yeah, I... I don't know, but, but, but so Shale and then Shale Chi was also on this, and she's been on the entire Dragon Age team like forever. And then Mary Kirby, I I can't remember if she works in Dragon Age Origins or not, but she's also a Dragon Age veteran, um, and she's also the writer of Varric. And uh, oh, I should also say Shale Chi uh, did like Blackwall, Isabella, Liliana, both Lilianas. She also did the Mage opening in Dragon Age Origin, which is like my favorite opening. So like, th- th- like looking at these writers, there's a lot of talented writers here. And I, 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 there's, there's a couple people that like, I, I, I know they're working enough from Dragon Age that I think I can pinpoint who wrote what. And I'm, I'm going to botch this name up. I'm so sorry. But Sylvia Feckett, God, I'm going to, I, her name, first name is Sylvia. I can't even, I, I'm dyslexic. I can't get this last name in my mind. I'm so sorry. But she wrote Josephine in Dragon Age Inquisition. And to me, Faye give, gave off such a um, 
like Josephine vibe. And sure enough, like there, I, I, I guess it's not 100% confirmed, but Sylvia talks about Faye a lot in referencing that like she had at least written some part of Faye. And like to me, that fits in my mind. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, the the only uh, the only other people uh, like I, I, I no one has really talked about what they've written on Anthem. So the only people I know who wrote what Sam Maggs, who is one of the new writers, wrote Bryn. She has since left Bioware to work on other projects. Um, and then Jay Wadamanuk, who was one of the leads on the product uh, project, wrote Yarrow. And he was also on Mass Effect Andromeda and Mass Effect 3. I don't know what he wrote on both of those projects. Do you happen so, yeah. to know, because I've always wondered about this, is there a relation yeah. between Jay Watomniak and Preston? And Preston? I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I know, they have the same <clears> last name. I've just I, always wondered. Uh, um, uh, now I will say I, I I tried to look it up again and I cannot find it but um, I don't know if it's Kathleen because I know she had a comedy background but two of these writers um, God who was the other new writer that was a dude hold on let me look at my notes real quick Neil Graham Neil Graham was one of the new writers and he has a history of um, like I, I couldn't really find anything like super solid in game things but he has worked on a lot of like kind of TV stuff and he was in a uh what's it called um like a stand-up comedy troupe but it's it's improv he was on an improv group with another one of the writers so i can't remember who it is now it might be courtney woods i can't remember but like he he and another person uh know each other through a comedy troupe so that we at least have two comedy writers i i believe it's not kathleen so i think there's at least three comedy writers on here and that feels right i don't know how to describe it any better yeah (laughs) Like, a lot of this stuff does kind of feel weirdly improvised. You know what I mean? It has um, it has a real stream of consciousness feel to the writing. Yeah. Right? And and that's, you know, I'm, I'm so reluctant to talk about stuff like that because that's a really tough thing to say. Like, I even flippantly yeah. said earlier, like, it was like somebody who likes Family Guy but is not funny, um, which I stand by. But that's a tough thing to say to someone because mm-hmm. humor is one of those things where, like, well, you enjoy it, your friends enjoy it, and maybe you've even had some professional like, success trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a tough thing to harp on for people. It just didn't land for me. It didn't land for you. And it sounds like it didn't land for a lot of other people. And a lot of it didn't land in Andromeda. Mm-hmm. And so at some point, like, who at Bioware is, is you know, is going to have the executive leadership to say, we're not doing this anymore. Yeah. Because it's not landing and people don't like it. So, and I'm sure some people do. And you hear from those people on Twitter because they're very vocal. But, like, a lot of this stuff is not landing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, right? We, we listed, you, I, I'm glad, first of all, bravo on your part. As soon as I saw this on Twitter, I'm like, oh man, Katie's doing work right now. Um, <laughs> I was really upset and possessed at <laughs> two in the morning. I'm like, I think it was like a Wednesday or something. I, I will admit, like, this is really solid work. And I'm glad, I'm glad that we have all this laid out. But also at the same time, it's like, I'm sure all of these people are very talented and, and they're, and they're. No, there, there's some really solid talent here, which is, I think, what makes it, so confusing how anthem landed and like the it's like a lot of these people have written some of my favorite moments in dragon age and then some of these people have written some of your favorite moments in mass effect Mm -hmm. what happened i mean well these people also (laughs) wrote some of our favorite moments in anthem to be fair right i mean i i guess but like uh, jordan 
what's one of your favorite moments that's not face sitting on a wall? Uh, well, no, like I said, I liked the the scene between the four of them because I thought that that was really good. I, th- I think that is really incredibly proficient writing, which is weird to mm-hmm. say because there's not enough of that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. It's not. It, it, you're right. There's not. It's, an, it's yeah. It's few and far between. There are not <laughs> enough standout moments. I like the the uh, the combat dialogue between Halleck uh, and the freelancer in the final mission when you're fighting like shit tons of enemies. I thought that was actually uh-huh. kind of endearing. Um, where Halleck, I feel like, is sort of maybe embracing his role as a mentor properly in some extent, and I felt like there was some real camaraderie. Like I felt like having him out in the field fighting with you and having that combat dialogue made mm-hmm. him feel like a companion in some of the other games. Which, uh, to, I guess, cri- sorry, critique that type of, not writing, but like presentation, I don't remember it very well because I was busy not dying, you know? <laughs> That's true. That's true. So That is a good point. Um, so yeah, I would say that was another, uh, one of my favorite moments. Um, I I liked the scene, like you said, during that first, uh, the first scene with the monitor when he shows up, tries to make a deal. So there are a few in there, but there's not really enough. Yeah. And and like, knowing that like people like Drew Carpitian, he came and then like stayed on the project a little bit and then left. I wonder, like, I suddenly just remember the other point I want to bring up. So don't let me forget it. Remind me of Anthem suits in like 10 minutes. Uh, I wonder if like those moments we like are in like the people that we know are, are competent on this team were just there. Like they wrote like a little bit of dialogue in one mission and then they left. You know what I mean? Possible. And because c- like I-, I know that like there's at least two people on this list that are no longer at Bioware. Well, three if we include uh, the or four if we include the people that like wrote the actual base lore, both David Gator and I already forgot the other's name, John Olin, I think they they're on to other projects. So I don't know. It, 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 yeah, but and like to to, to why I'm, I'm I I want to know the writer so much more than like Inquisition or Andromeda or whatever. This is an ongoing game series. There's still stuff to be written. And right. at the very least, some part of this team is still going to be working on it. I and like, I, I know that at least some of the people who I find very competent, I, I'm really just talking about Drew Carpitian at this point and David Gator, they're gone. They're not here anymore. They're doing something else. Maybe they did write like those little parts and they left. But at one point, Anthem's going to catch up to what they've written. You know, like eventually this team that we apparently have problems with are going to be writing more. So I'm I'm worried about like what the maybe Anthem finds its stride, maybe some writers come in and out. I don't know, but like the writing of the game I have a huge problem with. I don't know if it's the leadership or what. And that's going to be really hard to change going forward. The gameplay has some of the problems, but those can be changed. It's really hard to change your writing staff. So I I guess that's where I'm coming from, and that's where I'm worried. And and I'm not necessarily saying that all these writers are awful and need to be changed, but, like, something went wrong here, and I hope Bioware knows why and is changed. And also, a part of me wonders, can it be changed? Is it too late? We don't know. <laughs> so, uh. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think we're like, at the very least, like they have already announced one of the 
um, I guess, DLCs or like next update. So that's at least far enough along that we like they can actually announce it. Therefore, like all of it was pretty much almost completed by the time An like before Anthem probably came out. So any problems that we have with the narrative are probably going to be there in the next update too, because they didn't know to change it yet. So it's probably going to be like maybe three, four, maybe even five updates before like web content updates before we start getting maybe some changes to how things were written. So you're hundred percent correct. I mean, you're at, you're a thousand percent correct. Also note on that Rochelle Neal tweeted out uh, not long ago. A oh, picture the mocapping. Yeah. She's recording again and doing mm -hmm. more work. So, so yay, because more is coming, but also like you said, this stuff has already been written. Mm -hmm. Um, so what, what real changes can we expect that are going to address some of these problems? I don't know. And, and, you're right. Something's got to give. Something's got to change. Someone has to adopt a new strategy uh, for for how they're approaching writing. Because, and let me just say this: this this is something that I've I've been thinking for a while now about Bioware. Mm -hmm. I'm just looking at the list that you sent me, which is not even everyone, right? Because I've got 13 on this list. How many do you have in your updated? Oh no, that's the full writer oh, no, list. That's the one. Okay, so that's it's 13. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's too many. I just think it's, and I know they're going to say, oh, you don't understand. It's thousands of pages. It's way bigger than a movie or I, go, I don't care. It's too many. Like there, there's no way that you can, because writing by committee doesn't work. I'm sorry. Like even on TV shows where it works, it's not really writing by committee. It's letting people write episodes. And then mm -hmm. maybe you have to break an outline together. Like when you have 13 writers, and again, when you have 13 writers and everybody's trying to one up each other on goddamn quirkiness. And, and like who can make the characters quote unquote most unique. It's like what you really need is probably like four writers mm. and like, and like, and just make people, I mean, make people is the wrong word, but just like, yeah, you might have to churn out a lot of pages. You might have to churn out a lot of product, but I rather have, I rather have four fatigued people writing than 13 people just trying to navigate the social dynamic of what happens, which ideas are the best ideas in a group of 13 people. Mm -hmm. Good luck. Like, good luck if you're actually going to get the best story out of those people and nobody's going to feel bad about it and none of the none of the concepts of fairness are going to start to come into play about, oh, well, so-and-so, like, they're, they've got five ideas that have gotten used and I've only gotten one, never mind the fact that they've maybe been doing it 10 years longer than you or whatever. It's like, yeah, that's not going to work, man. Yeah. Well, I I will say I sort of disagree on like 13 being too many. Um but like I not that like I'm not a writer, so I don't really know, I'll be honest. But I will say that at, at least with Dra I know Dragon Age in the past has had like a fair amount of writers. Like I don't know if it goes up to 13. I don't know the list off the top of my head, but I know it's like, you know, a lot. But at least for Dragon Age they like David Gator wrote the lore and he was also the lead writer. He had a vision and he's carried it through. And I know he's no longer and Patrick Weeks saw it, but I think Patrick Weeks is also a little bit, maybe even mentored by David Gator. And I think they do share a vision and are going towards that. I, I don't know anything about Mass Effect, but I believe Duke Carpitian started Mass Effect, right? Like he did a lot of the lore behind it. He did a, the large chunk of the lore along with Casey and the art director, Derek Watts. And then he, was the lead writer on one, the lead writer on two, and by the time it was handed off to Mac Walters, it's sort of like a Patrick Weeks, David Gator situation where mm -hmm. Mac was co-lead writer on two and then finally took over by three. Yes. 
so, so like there was someone there with the vision with Anthem. I don't know if anyone really has a vision. Like this is something that I think is kind of like so weirdly fits with the entire game. There, it's it's like with with the gameplay and with the writing and with like the marketing. Sometimes it feels like there's two different pools of people with conflicting yep. ideas, and poor Anthem is in the middle. I agree. Like literally every aspect of Anthem I can think of, it's two pools of people for for doing whatever what, and Anthem is somehow stuck in the middle. <laughs> I, I hate to throw this out there because this is something that a lot of people think I say. A lot of people say this in a way that I think is incorrect, but I don't know if maybe it is old Bioware versus new Bioware. But but then why? Maybe, but like, I don't know. And new Bioware is kind of winning in a way because there really aren't that many people left who are really old Bioware. I guess. But I agree that it, it really feels like the foundational work especially was one group and then it's like that's what they got to control and then they handed it mm-hmm. off to a different group. It's like, okay, well now you have to do it but work within these confines. And the way that I've worded it is it's it's as though Anthem is written by people whose hearts weren't into it yeah. because they didn't really own the foundational piece of it. It's like yeah. they were handed this. It's like, okay, you have to work within what we've set up. Make it your own. But they were like, well, we, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not really yeah. ours. And so the only way. I, to, oh, the, oh, my God. It's like it's it's like the Mark of the Assassin DLC where everyone wrote their self inserts. Yeah, maybe. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, everyone just wrote like their little OCs for Anthem. But it's it's very amateurist. Like, here, like. I know I said this at the beginning of, oh my god, we've almost been talking for two hours, but like, everyone feels so high schoolish, you know? I feel like if I were in high school, I think I'd be a lot more excited about this than I currently am. I don't know. Well, Um, the other way that I would put it is all of the characters um, feel as though they were written from the standpoint of how do I defend this character in a meeting? mm. And that's a problem because that's how by, oh, that's the other thing I know for a fact about how they write uh their games they all write five characters that they well how they've traditionally written it when they have to pick party members mm-hmm. uh who is this weeks maybe who, who tweeted this or someone maybe some one of the other writers that weeks retweeted so apparently they all write five people that they think are go- that should be um, party members and then they all get together in a group and sort of debate it it's mm-hmm. like okay great but over time when you put that creative process into what is ultimately a, a, a company corporate like structure, right? We're going to, we're going to brainstorm or, or have a group discussion around this. You are going to start to write characters to preemptively head off other people's arguments against them. Mm-hmm. Like someone saying, Oh, well, what's unique about this character? So you're just pulling shit out of your ass to make this character super unique. I I guess on that, Again, I don't know writing. I don't know what it works, but like, at, at at least for what the Dragon Age team does, like at least for in Inquisition, if everyone came out with five characters, there could only be nine. So like, out of how many? I don't know. Let, let's say there was like four people there. That's twenty characters that came in. Only nine came out. It was the best nine out of twenty. That's pretty good. And the Anthem NPCs, they could do however many they wanted. You know. And it really felt like that way. Like, people came in with five characters, and they're like, oh, we just love them all. We'll put oh, them all in. That's true. Like, the, the the best didn't rise up because they all made it. <laughs> You're right. 
so like when when people like it when people put in that like oh let's let's put like for for I imagine you know when they have like twenty characters and they can only pick nine like each one like well I like this thing about that character but I kind of want to edit that way and that sounds more interesting but when you have twenty and you can pick all twenty no one's really going to be fighting because you're more focused on oh god now I have to write five characters you know like I but which uh, again we don't know exactly what happened with Anthem this is completely our hypothesis I want to throw that out there of course yeah. Um, okay, so one thing I wanted to touch on real quick about maybe 10 minutes ago on uh, the javelin suits that I think needs to be addressed. Um, do you remember when they were originally talking about the game, like months, 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 months ago, um, how they presented the story is that you would start out with the ranger suit and then you would slowly unlock the javelins through quests? Yeah, I think I remember that, yeah. And then they took it out, and now just whenever you level up, you get a new suit. You can actually start in, well, sort of, as soon as you get out of the, the um, not the demo. The but tutorial the, uh, missions. The you tutorial. Can, you can, you can, you can that old busted ranger for whatever you want. Yeah. So you get to choose out, which I think actually works better for the gameplay. So that's one thing. But keep in mind, they were still saying that, like, I, like not even six months ago, like pretty recently. Um, and then they decided to scrap it. And if you notice, when you unlock a new suit, a little dialogue will start to play. To which I think, like, there was story there that never actually made it. It, it was voice recorded. <laughs> they talked about it. Apparently it was implemented it. But it's gone now. <laughs> and that, and you would think that the, the quests to unlock, like, the three major javelins would be kind of major quests. And, like, each javelin is kind of themed on, like, Yarrow says that the Colossus was his old suit, the Interceptor is branded as Corvus, and the Dominion, like, our, uh, the, the, uh, the Storm. Storm suit has a lot of, like, Dominion links, so maybe you stole it from the Dominion. Those could have been really interesting quests that, because of, like, very valid game reasons, were cut out, but it, like, I wonder if this, this little bit felt so short because we were take like three fairly major quests were taken away and i wonder like how much development was in those quests and maybe we're suffering because of that that's a really astute observation i had not caught that but when you mentioned the fact that they already had the dialogue recorded you're right because i thought that that was really strange that it played dialogue over the menu Mm-hmm. and i think they just wanted to put that in there because they literally already had it and it's like extensive dialogue it is. like it lasts for like a minute or two sometimes and like there's some interesting things of like the colossus that you apparently get like used to be yaros or like in the interceptor like you know tassin tells you i i don't remember what the storm said but at least with tassin uh and, and the the interceptor is like oh yeah like our boys in the thing find it really fast and like she should explain this how it works and like that seems like something good to, like, the story and the game and, like, learning more about the different javelins and whatnot, but because of gameplay reasons, which I, I do think is actually a very good idea in that regard, I, I don't know if the story suffered because of that. And again, this is where I'm coming from. Anthem looks like it's been in two different worlds, and the gameplay side won out on this side, and the Anthem suffered in the middle. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. Like you said, that's a that is a really interesting theory with at least some good evidence for it. But I don't know. Maybe they did just feel they needed to cut it. Maybe also for story pacing. Um, Maybe because you're doing three major quests to essentially get gear, um, which still would have been good. I would have liked it, but maybe from a pacing standpoint, it just didn't flow with the whole. They already have a sort of weird 
uh, pacing issue in the second act with the stupid tombs uh, that nobody likes. Which I, I'll be honest, maybe maybe this is our segue into gameplay finally because I can't think of anything else to say for the story because we have been talking for two hours on the story, Jordan. Anyway, um, at, at least for me because I, I, I guess I was just playing a lot. When I got to the tomb parts, they were all done. I didn't even have to worry about it. It, it didn't bother me at all. And I, I honestly, yeah. I know some people were incensed by those. Here's what I did. I went into free play a couple times. I did a couple contracts. I also had a lot of the objectives already done. And in about an hour, I had quote unquote grinded as much as I needed to. And I was like, okay, great. Like it was not an issue for me at all. I know for some people they found it infuriating. And I played it before the patch um, because I think the patch maybe lowered some of the Mm -hmm. requirements or something like that but um yeah i just didn't find it to be an issue at all i didn't even notice there were requirements until one point like michael who was playing with comes like what is is the screen that keeps popping up because i'm that person that doesn't read anything he's like what is the screen that keeps popping up like oh oh i guess there was like something to do to open these doors up oh okay like it i didn't even notice didn't even know it was there which like god i hate this ui because it took me forever to figure out how to find my quests you know, like most UIs, when you press escape, all of the menus you can ever click are somewhere how linked in there. But in this game, there's technically two separate menus. There's the menu for literally everything, and then there's the menu for all your quests and journal entries. And there are two different ones. You cannot get to one through the other at all. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, I'll, I'll, there's not much to say in the UI other than, like, I don't like it. I think there's a lot of wasted space, and it's definitely made for a controller, and, like, they have made improvements, I will say that. But on PC, it's, like, kind of awkward to get through, and there's, like, a lot of, like, where am I again? How do I get back to where I was? What am I doing? And, like, I've been playing, like, I finished the game. I, I have a fair amount of hours in the game now. I still get lost in the UI. That's not great. No, it's not. <laughs> and, yeah, like, I, I have, uh, I've been playing this entire time with a controller, so I don't have the same like reaction to it. But I agree. I mean, it's not you look at it; it's a controller UI. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's let's say. I mean, I think we've covered quite a bit on story and um, God Almighty. I mean, I, I I have a lot of things to say on story, <laughs> but I think, I think we've covered the broad strokes of it. Um, mm-hmm. What what do we want to say about gameplay, kind of in general? Um, here's the thing. At the very beginning of this podcast, I asked you, do you like Anthem? You said yes. I said yes. The reason I like Anthem is because of the gameplay. Because, uh, and again, I'm living on that lone island where I have no glitches. I don't know what about my computer became Jesus. I don't know. But I've had almost no problems in my mind. And it's 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 great fun. Michael and I love playing together. I love how each of the suits feel. I love that you can decorate them, even though they haven't been microtransactions. Later, keep going. Um, <laughs> just <laughs> it, it, I I I enjoy fighting all the things. I do think there needs to be new enemy types, but like I get that's going to be coming. So like I'm not worried about what it is right now. I like flying around. I like how like the like the other day I was flying around. I'm not good at it, so I ran into a light, and the light the light broke. I was I was mesmerized by that, and that's so stupid. Oh, the light <laughs> broke! I turned the light off. <laughs> that's so fun, you know, like little things like that. And like, I don't like playing with other people, and maybe because I I'm not listening to anyone, and therefore I can like be as bad as I want and not feel bad. So that maybe that's one thing. But I like playing with other people, and I don't really like doing that normally. So that's great. Like I'm I generally have a lot of fun playing this. I don't like loot shooters. I didn't like Destiny. 
I'm liking Anthem for the gameplay. I really am. I think I'm, go I'm going to keep playing this game because I generally find the gameplay fun. And that is where Anthem Saving Grace is right now for me. So uh, Yeah, we are of such a similar mind on this game. Wow. Um, like that is basically exactly what I was going to say. Right When you asked me that question and I struggled with it so much, mm -hmm. it's because it's, it, it is... It's not it's not that I'm sad. I'm just a little disappointed in the fact that like this is the first BioWare BioWare game ever where I wouldn't recommend it for the story. Yeah. This is the first time ever. I would even still recommend Andromeda with all of its problems. I would still recommend that if you if you like story games. I wouldn't go that far, but I appreciate that you do. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, but like for me for Anthem, this is like this is the first time ever where I can honestly say, you know, it's sad as it is, I'm not sure what you would be missing if you from the story if you didn't play this. Um, while playing with Michael, um, unfortunately, it was before like any of the quote unquote good moments. But honestly, he's just been skipping the cutscenes, and he's a lot happier because of it. I mean that that that's that's sad to say for a Bioware game, but this is the first time, right? I I don't know. I mean that that seems like it actually makes sense from from some point of view, and mm -hmm. um, but it's a struggle then because it's like, okay, or am I saying I don't like the game at all? Am I saying that people shouldn't try the game? And it's like, aha, no, I do like yeah. the game. And I actually would tell people to go out and give the game a shot. Like, I'm recommending this game to more of my friends that don't play Bioware games than, than I have for any of their other games. Because uh -huh. I think a lot of people are going to dig this combat. I think while we are talking about this as a low point for their story, it's not fair to say that it's a low point for Bioware overall. Because yeah. this is the best combat gameplay loop that they have ever come up with. Yeah, it's better than Mass Effect Three. It's better than Mass Effect Andromeda, and that's saying a lot because those two games were really good in their own right. They had really good multiplayer in their own right, mm -hmm. and this combination of shoot powers, dodge, fly, uh, in some sense melee, and then you know your own individual things like triple dodge with the interceptor or shield sprint with uh, Colossus, etc. Mm -hmm. This is the best combat gameplay loop they have ever come up with and it fucking rocks it's so much fun yeah. to play i could literally just roam around free play with my colossus and burn people and smash them and run into them with the shield and it's so fun yeah like the, so far my favorite parts of anthem has been like because i am in that fucking person i have set up different builds for each of the javelins and have like named them cutesy little names based <laughs> off of their builds and i'm having a blast <laughs> It's great. That's my favorite part so far. I, that's going around in my little storm-based javelin that I've named Amethyst and colored purple. I'm having a fucking blast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going around in my interceptor that I base around a bug and has acid abilities. I'm having a blast. You know, <laughs> like it's it. That part is it's it's so much better than the story. And so it's like this weird like when you're when you're not doing the story i'm having a blast like I, I keep saying having a blast because how i feel like the last night jordan i i have a lot of i i so I, i've been keeping a dream journal for a while because i'm that person um you can tell what games i'm playing based on my dreams and for the most part <laughs> i i know this is really stupid i'm sorry uh, but like i i dream a lot about story elements like i can i can i could i can recite to you dragon age theme story yeah, yeah. in my dreams that i've had Anthem is one of the first games I have played oh where God. I'm not dreaming about the story elements. I'm dreaming about like, oh no, I died again. Someone come help me. I'm resident. Like I'm, I'm dreaming of the gameplay because that's what sticks in my mind. It's not the story. I can tell you a whole bunch of fun stories that happened to me while playing, but not, 
not not the God, not the story. This is so funny. I'm laughing because like you and I can have like pretty divergent opinions on some things, but we are of the exact same mind on Anthem right now. Like, yeah, I'm not kidding you. I also had a one dream about Anthem gameplay. Like, it's so yeah. weird that you mentioned. That. I don't know if it's just the repetitive nature of it. Like, just embed something in your mind where your brain keeps know. playing those loops even as you're asleep. But that's so weird that you said that because I had the exact same thing. But but no, like like today I was out and about doing a whole bunch of stuff with my family members, and the whole time I'm thinking, man, I wish I could just go fly around Anthem the other day. Like, do you remember like like as a kid? Because sometimes I don't know if I'm juvenile or whatever, but like you like you're on a long car ride, you're looking out the window, and you imagine like someone jumping on the cars or the power lines. I was imagining like a javelin flying through all the city stuff and how it would do that. You know, like I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, thinking yeah. about the gameplay. I'm not thinking about the story. Yeah, and that's re- so, that's really something too because in every other Bioware game, I have carried around thoughts of like, oh, I wonder what it would be like if I was on the Normandy or on the Tempest or uh-huh. if I was part of Hawks, you know, whatever. Like I was carrying around those characters in that world and it's uh-huh. the opposite. I'm carrying around the gameplay. Uh-huh. Completely agree. And 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 like I I do want to say like there are some issues with the gameplay that need to be fixed. There's like a health bug. There's a whole bunch of bugs. The loop thing is apparently broken. I don't really give a shit because I don't really care about loop, to be honest. Um, like there, there are definitely problems. There's only three strongholds. There probably should be more. There's not enough like variety in the people you fight. But all of that, all of those problems, I'm still having a lot of fun, and I have nothing but positives to say about the gameplay. Yeah. And like you just heard us, like like ram the shit out of the story, so you know we're not <laughs> holding anything back no, at this not. point. We're really not. <laughs> you know, like it's it, it, like I I honestly I'm going to keep playing Anthem and roll my eyes at all the bad story parts because I want to fly my suit. When Casey Hudson got there, it's like, oh, you're gonna really love this game, and like we sit there with the story and go, I don't know about this, Casey. I when I when I play the game, like, oh, you're right, Mister Hudson. I do love this game. Thanks, I guess. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I mean, it's it's. It, can you fucking imagine how great this game would be if like the story was like they knocked it out of the park? Here's here's. I'm, I'm gonna say something real quick because I I've been thinking about this and I I really think that this could happen. Mm -hmm. So the most impressive thing that they've done is gotten hardcore Bioware story people like us to say that we're here for the gameplay. That's true. That's the thing I never in a million years thought that I was going to be admitting to. I'm having pretty much, you know, very similar to the experience that you are. I just got my Ranger and my Storm up to finally being the uh, rare rating. Mm -hmm. Finally went from uncommon to rare and I was so happy. Um, I finally got my first epic gear uh to drop uh and i was Mm -hmm. like so excited over that like i am in the loot chase i would probably say maybe as much as i was ever into it with destiny i think for destiny i probably was into it for maybe like a couple months actually so we'll see Mm -hmm. if we'll see if anthem keeps up that long but at this Mm -hmm. point i'm liking it as overall more than i ever liked destiny Mm -hmm. okay so that's pretty impressive that they have gotten the hardcore bioware people into the gameplay and we're and we're not crazy about the story However, we're not the litmus test for who they needed to win over on story. The people mm. that they needed to win over on story was the Destiny and the Division players. Mm-hmm. Because our bar is way higher for story than theirs is. Case in point, I've been playing the Division 2 open beta this weekend. Uh, since yesterday, I've spent a pretty good amount of time with it. Uh-huh. And I, and I will say, to the credit of the 
um, Ubisoft people, it's quite good. They've got some nice little improvements in there from the Division 1, and uh, the story is still fucking shit. It's not good. <laughs> uh, it's a fun game. You should go out there and play it because the cover system is cool, and the gear is cool, and the shooting mechanics are, you know, solid. Um, and the story is, I don't even know if it's better. It's maybe the cutscenes are a little longer, I guess. They still, I, mm-hmm. I don't find them compelling. I don't find the intro to be compelling. I, I just, there's nothing about it from a story standpoint that I think is good. And I know Destiny 2 upped their game from Destiny 1 overall. And I, and I haven't spent very much time with Destiny 2 at all, but even watching some of the cutscenes at length, um, no thanks. I mean, it's really not, I don't think it's quite good either. So the, mm-hmm. so the real question is, could they win over the hardcore Bioware fans with the gameplay and could they win over the Destiny fans and the Division fans with the story? And I would say yes, because for as flawed as this story is, it still knocks the Division out of the park. And I would say it's still marginally better than Destiny. Hmm. So at this point, and, and are they not the best loot shooter? I don't know. They, I think they need time to like... What's the word I'm looking for? It's like almost midnight, by the way, for me. So I'm a little bit brain dead. But um, they, they need a little bit more time to, I think, like perfect what they're going here. But I think at least gameplay-wise, they, they got a good start. And I have seen people really love the Anthem story. I don't know who you are or what you're <laughs> into, but go for it, I guess. And, and like, so I, I know those people are out there. I just don't know if they're the loot shooter crowd. You know, I really don't. I think I think that that's true, right? And I will say that for as much as I knocked the story, I still liked it more than I thought I was going to. That's really saying something for how low I put the bar. Yeah, really. Wow, Jordan. I expected nothing. Like, especially when you play Destiny in the division. I mean, how much story is even in there? Like you kind of mm-hmm. you kind of talk to some of the vendors, or there's one or two characters that have actual scenes. I never thought there was going to be a point where I would spend an hour talking to ten people in Tarsus, even if the conversations aren't great. I didn't even think that was going to exist in there. I guess that's fair. Like I, I will say, Michael felt physical pain and couldn't do it. I was like frustrated by it, but I kept doing it. You know, I didn't actually sit there and be like, yeah. I'm never going to. Like, I, I, I didn't loathe hating to people or, or talking to people. And, and I and I guess I don't. Here's the thing. I don't actually hate any of the NPCs for the most part. I just. They're forgettable. Yeah. 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 No, that, that that's a good way to put it. They're they're forgettable, and I think like maybe in like a more serious tone, some of them, some of some of them, not all of them, some of them could have worked. And I and the ones I did like, I wish they were better. But yeah, I, I guess like we just sat sat there like sh- like we uh, Jordan we shat on that story for like <laughs> well over an hour. But like, and and I don't want to say like we were cranky because that is honestly how I felt for the past week. Unless I've just had a really bad week, which I don't think that's it. But like, I I, I don't want to say anything I said was invalid. I don't want to say the story is still good because of whatever. I think it's really flawed, but I, I guess like hearing, cause I have not played the division. I played a little bit of destiny, but like, yeah, I guess if that's better than the other loot shooters, then I, I, I think Anthem has the best story content of any loot shooter out there. And I think as far as the gameplay, uh, you said it, they need more strongholds. Um, they mm-hmm. need something above strongholds to still be more complex. I think mm-hmm. something like a true raid. Uh, they need to work on the loot. They need to work on drops. Uh, they need more javelins and they need more ultimates. 
those are big ones. They need to actually have at least a couple more javelins, and the javelins should not have one ultimate. There should be at least two for each, so you can choose. Uh, that's that kind of stuff would be really cool. And then I think as they continue to build on the gameplay and and hopefully roll out good story content as well, they could make mm-hmm. a real a real run at being the best loot shooter. Yeah, I also think more customization. Okay, here let's let's go to microtransactions real quick. So. The Bioware, you you if 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 you're unaware, because I've met people who don't know this, you buy the game, you have all of the they have said they have all of the updates. Like you don't have to pay for more DLC. What you pay for, um, alternatively, is microtransactions. You do get coins in the game where you can buy all of the microtransactions for in-game money. It takes a little bit of grinding time, which I actually thought the grinding time for what what you buy is actually very fair. You know, I, I didn't ever think like, oh, no, I'm never going to get the amount of money. Like it just I just I, I look at it as something like, oh, it's going to take a couple hours, but I think I can get there. Like I, I never really felt like hopelessness of like, <laughs> I'm never going to do that. <laughs> um, I, I actually bought like there was a really cool storm thing with a tiara. I bought that because I liked it with the uh, in-game. I'm not going to put any microtransactions into this. I don't do that anyway. But like you would think that for Bioware trying to nickel and dime us or EA trying to nickel and dime us, they would have more things for sale. There's really not that much to buy. Like there are, let's see, um, maybe like eight things you could buy at the store with real money. And that's it. And and it, it refreshes every three or four days and that's it. Like you would think that they would have more, you know, and that you, you would have these people that like, um, only play Anthem like maybe a couple months, but they have disposable income. So they just like literally buy like a hundred dollars worth of their favorite customizations and then, then they go at it and they never play again. That's fine. But like with this refreshing store page and like, they just don't really have a lot of customization options that like, I know they have, there are things that we have seen on the live stream that we haven't seen in the store yet. I'm still waiting for that opalescent <laughs> skin Bioware. I want that, but we haven't seen it yet. We know they have stuff prepared. They just haven't released it for whatever reason. And I don't understand why. And there are people on the Anthem subreddit who are complaining that there aren't more things to buy with shards. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible. <laughs> like you, you would think that from a marketing perspective, you go, yeah. If we have it for sale, we're gonna put it up for sale. <laughs> yeah. But they're not doing that, which I guess brings me to something else I want to talk about. The marketing for Anthem seems so strange in retrospect, and it felt strange at the time, and it's even stranger now. Like, um, I, I guess particularly in, in my mind was that I forget the guy's name, but he did District 9, that the director guy. Yeah, and like, oh, they're going to be a, an Anthem movie. And we're like, oh, that's so cool. And he comes out with the movie and it's a trailer. Like, it, it, also a trailer for events that apparently happened like 50 years before the game is set. Yeah. Girl, what? I, I don't understand Girl, what? Like the trailer was cool, I I will say that. Like, but why they they advertised it as a movie, Jordan, or or I guess not a movie, but a short, a short. Oh, it's an anthem short. So you're you're thinking of whatever, but it was a trailer. So, so if if it was just a trailer and they advertised the trailer, that is fine. But they said short. What? Yeah. So Neil Blomkamp tweeted about this, and uh, he talked about the fact that he was given the story premise, and he came up with like a twenty-page script that he wrote and everything, and that apparently they actually shot a bunch of stuff from this, and that uh-huh. there is potentially a longer cut that could be edited together. But the stipulation was it's got to be this three-minute thing. 
then why did he not, as a director, write three minutes? Oh, Great, no, no, you no. had a beautiful 20-page no, no. script, but then they, what? They didn't tell him that initially. <laughs> okay, then what the fuck? I, I don't get it. I really don't understand. And also, if you're EA, I, like, I love Neil Blomkamp. Like, you don't understand. Before District 9 ever came out, I've been following this guy's career forever. He made award-winning short films, uh, and he came to prominence a lot because um, Peter Jackson was going to hire him to direct the Halo movie in the mid-2000s, mm-hmm. back when that was going to get a feature film. And mm-hmm. Neil Blomkamp was like the greatest visual arts short film director the world had ever seen. If you go back and look at his stuff from like 2004, it's like CGI that you would not believe from that time. So anyway, mm-hmm. I've always followed his career. And when I heard about this Anthem thing, I'm like, well, he hasn't made anything theatrical since Chappie, I think, was his last theatrical yeah. And so I'm like, oh, so what's, what's he been up to? He's been making fucking phenomenal short films. And they're sponsored by, like, BMW or whatever. But it's got, like, Clive Owen in it and, like, really awesome short uh, films that are, like, 15, 20 minutes long. The guy mm-hmm. is the goddamn greatest short film director of all time as far as I'm concerned. If you're EA, like, let him make a 20-minute short film. Like, why the hell would you not? It, yeah. it baffled me when I looked into it and then I found out that he was told that he had to shorten it up into basically a trailer. And I'm just like, what and, a and waste. And if they, if they didn't have the money, like, I don't, I, again, I don't get business. But when you when you go into business someone, don't you say, here is your budget, do whatever the fuck? Like, well, yeah, because he, what? because as he said, he, she, they actually had the budget to shoot a majority of that stuff. So what the fuck? So they literally just put footage on ice. Like, it, it just exists and they didn't put it... I have no idea. Like, seriously, what the fuck? Like, I really don't I, know. Uh, okay, I, I... I I meant to look this up beforehand. And so I might have to tell you to cut this. But let's have a quick conversation. Um, I, I'm pretty... I'm like 99% sure, but I want to say... Uh, I, I read the rules and I'm allowed to say things now that the game is out. But the Anthem VIP demo... Or not the VIP demo, the, the Alpha... I could talk about it now that the game is out. Um, so uh, it, it went in the VIP demo and the open demo. It was like a random story, which we now know the mission is like pretty far into the game. Um, yeah. I don't think it's like super spoilers, but it was pretty far into the it's, game. It's prepping for the end game. Yeah, it's probably it's pretty well in there, and like you're you're kind of in there, and it kind of makes no sense, and like a, a lot of people really confused about the story and whatnot with the VIP the anthem demo. Do, do you know what the alpha demo was? It was the beginning of the game. <laughs> oh, how interesting. <laughs> Why would you? And you got to go through character creation. You got to do the, you didn't do a call sign, but like, and it, it, it was essentially almost unchanged from what we played in, in the, uh, the actual game. Why did they not do that? That was perfectly fine. You got, you got the tutorial. You got to know the ranger. You, you, and then like, you could, I, I don't know if this was, because this was kind of back when they were still saying that you would uh, unlock the other suits through quests. So maybe they wanted to give us a chance to unlock suits, but they had, uh, like, apparently now you don't do, you don't have those unlock suits. So, you know, you have the technology to just do that. Why would they not give us the beginning of the game for the, the demos? That makes no sense for me. The, it was, uh, when, when I was playing the VIP demo and realizing it was something else, I was completely shocked because when I played... The alpha, I was very like I, I I still have some problems with the opening, but I like I thought like you know you know it's it's fair. This is the opening. I'm kind of interested. Let's go. But like the 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 story in the demo was just kind of like I I am so unconnected with anything going on. I I am what 
what? I'm confused. I like this. This goes in with the Neil Blomkamp thing. What the fuck is happening over there? That's a really good question. I will say on this, right? Because I, I, I'll ask a question. I did hear from some people who were breaking NDA, not you for sure. But yeah, um, it had a lot of technical problems in the alpha. Was that true? It it did. Um, I I was again. I live on a magical island where I have very few few things going wrong. Um, they had a really hard time actually getting in. It was kind of similar to the VIP demo. People had trouble getting in. Um, I was actually on a Discord server with a bunch of other alpha players. And uh, people who were uh, in the EU just couldn't get in at all. I think one person during the entire time just couldn't get in. Um, there was like some mess where like you were told that you could only play through these times, but then people couldn't get those times. So then it was just open to everyone and who, who the fuck cares? <laughs> yeah. That was a little weird. Um, but like the, the only thing that I couldn't do, I was able to get through the story and like do everything, but I, I could never in the times I was able to play... Um, it, uh, from my own schedule, not Bioware's fault. I cu- I couldn't get into free play. I I was not able to get into free play. I wasn't able to d- get matchmaking. Um, something that also creeped me out, and I don't like it hasn't happened yet. So I think it's just uh, it it was an alpha thing because they didn't they want you to play with people. Um, but the fact that they had this technology was weird. Um, so I again I was on a Discord server. I, it was the Bioware outpost, and we were talking about a bunch of people. And out of the Bioware outpost, everyone I was talking with you. I had no idea who it was except for Luana, and I was I'm origin friends with Luana. But when we were going there to to try to come up with some groups, we we're like, oh, we should probably find each other in origin. Well, well I, I don't know. Um, and we're, we're trying to talk out the logistics of friending each other while out tapping the game. When someone figured out, because that most of us were all friends with Luana, we were appearing on each other's friends list in the game. Oh, yeah. For like friends of friends. Yeah. Yeah. That would that kind of weirded me out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I, that's probably, I guess, considered a normal feature now with a lot of stuff. Right. But I didn't like it. I did not like that at all. That's always weird um, for sure. Yeah, maybe that's a normal thing, but like we weren't we weren't given a warning, so we we're all just kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so my thought on the demo was the reason why I asked if they had a lot of technical problems in the alpha was mm-hmm. maybe the reason why they went with the slice that they did is that was a vertical slice that they had been working on well ahead of time in a mm-hmm. way that's different. Like the main the the opening levels were being worked on as a part of the main game, but they had mm-hmm. been prepping to have this one section done as a demo well ahead of time, maybe. Well, well, the only like the only thing that I would like the, the story wise was uh, up in like the opening tutorial and then also like talking uh, to, to Owen or whatever. Not talking to Owen because uh, you couldn't actually talk to anyone in Fort Tarsus. But um, there, there's like that one mission where you're in the Ranger and you're talking to Owen doing the whatever. Like all of that was pretty much the exact same as the main game. And the only thing I couldn't do was free play for whatever reason. And, like, there were some issues with that in the demo, too, but, like, not as much. So, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't see any reason to not give us the enter to the game and instead give us this weird section. Like, m- maybe there were some things that were that were difficult and, like, there were glitches. But at least the people I was talking to... The only, like, problems they had was just not being able to enter the servers. It wasn't anything to do with the quest. Once they got on the quest, they were fine. There was absolutely no glitches there, or none that I heard. So, I don't, I don't know. It seemed more server errors than anything else. Yeah, you know, it's weird, right? Now that we mentioned these things, I was like, the marketing? I don't have anything to say about the marketing. But you're right, that Neil Blomkamp thing was so weird. And now that we Mm -hmm. look at what they released for the demo, we kind of said this, 
um, the last time we talked about Anthem, which is like that demo really didn't help them at all. No. You no. could make the argument maybe that the open demo didn't hurt them, but like it didn't help them at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I thought the trailers that they cut were okay tonally. It wasn't like, yeah, like trailers are fine. Dragon Age bad, like with the weird, you know, unnecessary rock music or anything. But oh uh, yeah, yeah. How about that? I, I just, <laughs> erased that um, from my mind. I you know, and, and like uh, Anthem has so far been marketed more heavily than any other Bioware product sure. I've ever seen. Like yeah. I was at a restaurant today. I'm eating Mexican food at some restaurant. I look up and there is Anthem on the TV on the ESPN channel. I'm like, what? <laughs> ESPN? That's a huge thing. Like like only really huge games I ever see uh, advertised on ESPN. And there's Anthem. I'm like, oh, that's weird. And like you, you wasn't there like the Times Square was covered in Anthem. Like they have been really pimping out Anthem all over the place with like just regular advertisements. But then like the online like m- stuff that you kind of expect has just been so weird. <laughs> do they do they have Mexican food up north? I didn't realize. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, that's just Texas South Texas I, snob. Sorry. But I I, look, I came from the south. I grew up in the south. <laughs> It's, uh, it's it's really mild uh, spice wise. Let me tell you, you get like there was one time we ordered something at the back. There's one Mexican place where like we Michael ordered something and the waiter's like, oh I don't know, man, that's really spicy. I'm like, well we'll try it. And then Michael goes, this is so mild. What is this good? Well, <laughs> well, like I I will say, you know, Texas, if you're if you're near the Gulf, you know, in Houston, Corpus Christi, you know, they like to tell you mm-hmm. that the seafood is fresh because it came out of the Gulf, which is like no. Uh, yeah. like, compared to like actual seafood from like the Pacific Northwest, fresh fish, it's not, it doesn't even count. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's certain things we lack here in Texas, but. Oh, totally. But uh, it's, it's, it's all right. Like, like, it's not bad food. It's just definitely like Northern food. You know what I mean? Sure. Like for some reason, I don't, okay. I'm, I'm not Mexican. I don't know if this is a thing. Jordan, please tell me. The, our favorite restaurant that we go to, when they when they give you chips and salsa, they also give you coleslaw? Like like coleslaw coleslaw with Coles- mayonnaise yeah. or what? like a salad? Yeah, coles- it's coleslaw that you're supposed to dip your chips in and then eat it. And like oh, the first so time, they give- <laughs> I know like my, like every- they give it to us every time and we just kind of like toss it behind. Is that, us and go, is that just to like cool down? Like if the salsa is too spicy, is that the idea I- behind it? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, that's so and bad. the worst thing is I've seen people eat it. And like, there was one time we brought someone there and like, it was like, Oh, the salsa is so spicy girl. It ain't it. It, it ain't it's, it's actually very good salsa. It's just like, you know, a mild mm-hmm. salsa. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's, we just got so triggered. We had to take like a moment <laughs> to talk about Mexican food. Uh, you, know, you know what the story Jesus. in Anthem is like? It's like coleslaw with your salsa. <laughs> Somebody thought it was a good idea, but really it's not. <laughs> no, no. Uh, no, no, no. For, like, for real. We've been going almost two and a half hours. Um, honestly, you know what I really want to say about Anthem? I, what? I like it. I'm having fun with it. I know that sounds stupid to people who have heard me rail on it all this time, but like, I think this is one of the truest things that has to be said about it. Like, When I am sitting here for 13,000 words trying to critically analyze what this story is and when you and I are going back and forth on what our impressions are, like, I'm going mm-hmm. to put my critic cap on and I'm going to try mm-hmm. and be as objective as possible. But it's okay to also say that like, 
these are my thoughts objectively. Subjectively, I don't know. I just fucking like it. Like, I don't know why. I just kind of, even some of the parts of the story that are dopey, even some of the lines that Amal has that are too much and over the top, even some of the stuff with Owen where, like, it's not really the best setup for his character. I'm just kind of like, yeah, but I guess I kind of want to know what happens next or, like, suspension of disbelief. Like, subjectively, I still really like the game. Yeah. No, I, I'm totally on you with that. And, like, there's... <laughs> A part of, I'm sure there's someone in the audience who goes, oh, that kind of sounds like a bad action movie, which I, I would say it's very close to that, except for bad action movies, there's like actions going on in the story parts that makes like, you know, the story a little bit worthwhile, if you know what I mean. But like a lot of the cutscenes don't really have that. It's kind of like static talking. So that's where the NPCs just fell so flat. Like there's really no crazy stuff going on. And then like the one cutscene with Dax where crazy stuff was going on. I just it was it was just more confusing than cool. Like I feel like if they had like got it, if if <laughs> I'm putting on like my 90s glasses and like oh radical more <laughs> cool shit happened. Maybe I could forget about the story. And this work. <laughs> I'm gonna stop this voice. Sorry. Like I. <laughs> I, I like if it was gonna be a bad action thing, fine. But it doesn't do that well. It again, two camps meshing together, and poor Anthem is stuck in the middle. There's the regular Bioware story and shitty action movie, and it just poops in the middle and makes Anthem yeah. a little bit. Yeah. If if I was trying to come out here and say that objectively all of these things worked and it's a good game, I, I, I at least for the story is concerned, <clears throat> I think I'd be lying. But also. If I let that disappointment, you know, cause me to get like enraged about it and go like, oh, this total game sucks or whatever. Like, I haven't enjoyed playing this at all. I'd also be lying. Yeah. It's just weird. Like, I've oh. enjoyed it despite its flaws. It's just it's it. That's just the truth of it. A good comparison I would make. Have you ever played Saints Row? Yeah. Yeah, I played Saints Row. Yeah, Saints Row. Really stupid shit, you know, yeah, like yeah. story wise. Really stupid, kind of dumb. And, like, some of the comedy sometimes works, sometimes doesn't, but you don't care because you're trying to run away from a group of gimps riding a carriage pulled by a guy in BDSM here. <laughs> and that's fun! Yeah. That's fun! Yeah, yeah. You have a dildo for a sword. Who cares that they made a cheesy one-liner? I'm dropping from a plane into a bachelorette party or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what's going on. Anthem, I, I'm not saying Anthem needs to bring out the dildo swords and go whatever, but it needs to lean more into the explosions where, like, there's a giant cataclysmic thing going on you know it, but they need to lean into that a little bit more and i think maybe this is my one hope for the story if they lean into the crazy bullshit going on you'd it, the, the the bad writing might be a little bit more forgivable it, it's it's funny that you mentioned bad action movies it's not even necessarily bad action movies but this is something that again like i i, I wrote about this this week when i've been working on this and you're nailing it exactly which is like when I say it's an archetypal story, I'm not necessarily just talking about Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and that type of archetypal story. It's kind of like Top Gun, too. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like bros flying around in jet suits. And yeah, which I wish there were more bros. But anyway, yeah, like, honestly, <laughs> like they should have leaned into the Top Gun bros flying around in jet suits angle because the whole like. I'm a quirky, unique person like that doesn't fit with what the story actually is. Mm -hmm. The story is it blowing up cool shit, like blowing up a bunch of shit in your Iron Man suit. 
Yeah, and not to say they can't have quirky characters, but they're all quirky, quirky characters. If they had their their dude bros, then they didn't have to be dude bros, but just like the bros blowing up shit, yeah. and then maybe like a couple quirky characters, they both would have worked. That, like a yes. whole cast of dude, dude bros exploding shit would have been boring. A whole cast of quirky characters are boring. They need to have a mix in there. Right, because as, as uh, Tim and Leonard from The Outer World said, if everybody's quirky, nobody is. Exactly. Well, there we go. We fixed the story <laughs> from, from the comfort of our armchair. <laughs> uh, right. Where everything is easy and it doesn't take any yes. real work. Oh, Jordan, we're so geniuses. <laughs> I, 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 I say this because I know it's probably a lot harder than it, it looks. And, it, it and, and like, I think like maybe I think like Lucky Jack would be a good character for that because like he seems to be like he could be that type of like bro-y guy I doing agree. explosions. And I think Yarrow could have kind of been that way and Halleck, but they... And, aren't and like lucky jack like what we talked about earlier what the fuck does he even do <laughs> and then the guy the, the i don't want to say kid but the younger sentinel that was talking to captain rule i kind of thought he was going to be a character like maybe there was going to be like a mentorship oh thing yeah and he didn't even have a, i think he had a name too he had a name but i don't remember it because he was in one scene yeah really a commander vool would get like his voice actor is great like he has like that low husky yeah. thing whatever and like i would love to see more hits but yes yeah, so, like if it was like vool and yarrow and halleck and lucky jack and uh what's your name johnny i love johnny oh like, if it was all <laughs> of them johnny. going on like a badass mission like come on i'd be in for that for sure yeah johnny which is like i i know a lot of i, I know there's a lot of we did, we just named a bunch of men, but like Johnny, who is a female, one of the better freelancer characters and a in great the game. badass character. Yeah, and can okay. Oh fuck! I just got triggered. Writhe. I hate Writhe. Okay, no, 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 no. I know you hate her, but let me say this. I'm just gonna say this. Writhe would be a perfect change of pace quirky character, right? When you have a bunch of these characters, I don't think Writhe works. But if you throw Writhe into that other group that we just named and she's saying like sexy dangerous and all this other shit i it would work as a change of pace i'm telling you it would work oh maybe but every time she says sexy danger or sexy sexy adventure i die a little (laughs) inside right is exactly what i'm talking about when i say objectively i know it's bad but subjectively i don't care sexy dangerous hashtag sexy dangerous Jordan, I have never hated you so much as I hate you right now. It's so bad, but I fucking it love it. It is so bad when I, like, there are very few things in this game where I cringed so hard I went into outer uh, space, but I was uh, I was on Pluto. No, it was so I cringed so hard it, it turned inside out into a smile. Sexy dangerous. Oh, my God. I hate it so much. But, like, yeah, I guess. But, if like, okay, yeah, if Ryth was with a whole bunch of whatever, you'd be like, oh, there's that loser chick, but at least everyone else is fine. But like, yeah, everyone it, else is doing cool shit, and Ryth is doing cool shit, too, but when she, like, blows up in Ursix or something, she, like, it, like, cuts to a close-up of her, and the mask opens up, and she's, like, sexy dangerous. And, and then you're like, like, God, what an idiot, and then you move <laughs> on. But, like, golly. Golly, yeah. 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 <laughs> We, we we went back to talking about this story again. This is how much it triggers us. Because, like, again, we really like the gameplay. I'm having a lot of fun with it, but then it's fucking sexy danger. God damn it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we, we there was, like, a zen moment where I think we finally ran out of things to say. 
Jesus, <laughs> it took long enough. God damn. No, I mean, I'm a fan of the Joe Rogan podcast, and uh, uh-huh. they recently had, I think, maybe the longest episode ever. Him and his friend Eddie Bravo and Alex Jones went went it went for four hours and 40 minutes and i swear to god this is like us trying to top that so this is two and a half hours is long enough for us if if my throat weren't stripped this would be a really good alex jones time but like no we can't can't. (laughs) let let me just tell everybody i just i'm kind of retarded (laughs) (laughs) did he no, he, I tweeted it. Oh, look God. up, look up oh. my, look at my Twitter. He actually said oh. that, and it's so fucking hilarious. Oh my God! He literally Alex says, did. "I'm kind of retarded," and Joe Rogan loses it. In the full video, <laughs> he straight up la- falls on the floor, like fully out of his chair of laughter. I have to. I don't watch the Joe Rogan podcast much, but I have to see that now because Alex Jones is just so crazy. It's so it's tough. Honestly, I like Rogan's podcast. It's so tough because they're just yelling the entire time. It's so hard. Oh my god. Okay, th- we, this is we're, we're not even talking about Anthem anymore. All right, uh, Katie, where can oh, the people god. find you? Oh, we're not even gonna do like an outro, but we're just going at it. I don't know, Gilder Solid, I guess on Twitter, and I guess I do YouTube channels. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. Where can they find you, Jordan? Oh, they can find me at The Exalted March on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit. Oh, my God. We're done. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I don't know how much it's going to be edited out. We've been talking for two hours and 30 minutes. This is this is something. Anyway, with that, Dresh, let's get this over. <laughs> I want to go to bed. 